Mac Power Users, Episode 132, Merlin Returns. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Katie. And it is time for our annual visit from Mr. Merlin Mann. Welcome, Merlin. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. You are always welcome to come back to Mac Power Users. You are our very first workflow guest, and we've kind of made this an annual thing. It usually happens in April or so. And, uh, <laughs> it's, I, I looked it up. I looked it up, and with one exception of a, of a June, believe it or not, this is our fourth time that we visited. Is it? Yeah. I guess it is. Yeah. And they've yeah. all been in March except for one in June. I think you guys, you know, understandably just need a little break. Yeah. <laughs> well, you were the original guest on Mac Power Users, the original workflow guest, and just the very first guest we ever had on the show. And uh, it's always uh, a privilege having you back on. Uh, we both think so much of the stuff you do, Merlin. Thanks. I appreciate that. I, on, I was um, mentioning that we were doing this on Back to Work the other day, and I think of it as like my Sadie Hawkins day of productivity. It's like my one day a year where I fall back into my old career of uh, tips and tricks and workflow. And so it's, it's very fun for me to do. And I'm grateful that you have me here because I do have a lot of stuff that I like to talk about with this stuff. And it's nice to have a platform for it. And we're happy to provide you that. Well, we've actually got a list of stuff to talk about now. We'll probably get off that, that list pretty quickly, but that's, that's okay. That's, that's how these things go. So one of the topics that's very near and dear to my heart that I know you've been using more, and I, I really wanted to, to get an idea of how I could use it better and, and, you know, how you're using it. And that is Evernote. You know, David has come along. I've I've gotten him stepping up with this Evernote thing a little bit, but um, I throw everything in Evernote. I mean, I've got everything from uh, recipes about how to make twice baked mashed potatoes to um, the the user manual for my irrigation system in Evernote, and everything in between. And I've just kind of used it kind of as a quasi document management system which for me really developed out of this need because there wasn't a document management system on iOS. And uh, it's, it's worked great for me, and I love having access to all of my documents everywhere, but um, some people just don't like the concept of an everything box. And so how are you using Evernote? Hmm. Well, first, first of all, I should stipulate that there's exactly one reason that I started looking at Evernote again. I was in a, when, the, when it very first came out, I was very, very into it. Um, and for reasons I can explain, I kind of moved away, but it was your article in, uh, the Mac world that got me back into it. No and specifically, like, well, yeah, it was you talking about how you, a few episodes ago, you talked about how you use Hazel and stuff like that. And when you download a bill from somewhere, um, it got me really interested because there's a lot of things I've always liked. So first of all, thank you. That's, that's kind of what, not kind of, that's what got me back into looking at it again. I've always thought it was a conceptually very interesting application um, the, with the, you know, increasing amounts of fantastic functionality. Um, and you know, I have mixed feelings even about the phrase, everything bucket, because even that phrase itself, <laughs> I mean, nobody really wants an everything, anything, because otherwise then it's just, it's just garbage. The, the problem with the everythingness of Evernote is if you, in my mind, why I think why I shied away from it, features notwithstanding, is that I had never really decided what it was for. And I mean, I've got a hard drive that I can store stuff on and find things on. I've got Dropbox. So, you know, I, I, I think when I look back and I go and see all this morass of these experiments with importing all these different things and all these tags I've used one time and all this stuff, my biggest realization was, you know, I bought a pro account 
and I, I could throw everything in there. But then what I wasn't doing well was deciding whether it belonged there as best evidenced by the fact that there was so much stuff in there I never looked at again. Well, I think you so, have to be very careful to distinguish everything bucket from junk tour. How, how do you make that distinction? Well, okay, because, well, what is an everything bucket? And and maybe everything bucket is a bad word. I mean, you could think of your computer as an everything bucket. I've got everything in my computer, and that's just kind of this this one platform or this one medium or this one source, but yet I've got all this stuff in there, and I've got it organized in different ways. Does that make my computer an everything bucket? Yes. So maybe my computer is an everything bucket in the same way that Evernote is an everything bucket, but that doesn't mean that it's a junk drawer in the sense that I just throw a bunch of crap in there and let it go. Yeah, I'm, I obviously it depends. Just depends on how you use it. Um, I, I can only speak to my own um, maladies, which is that you know when I'm cleaning out an area, I'm trying to declutter, as they say. Um, I, uh, I actually mentioned this on Forty Three Folders in the first Getting Things Done post I ever did uh, of any of any consequence, um, and that is I, I have those really really big garbage cans. You know, like you'd have in a, at, like a, at a party in college, those giant gray industrial garbage cans. And uh, whenever I'm cleaning anything out in my house or my office, <laughs> rarely, I get those giant, giant, giant contractor bags and those giant, giant, giant garbage cans because uh, they hold a lot and they're easy to throw something into, something big, something from, from far away. And I'm actually going somewhere with this. My problem was with Evernote. Um, I could instead call that garbage can a, a cognitive uh, storage system. But the truth is, if it's too easy to throw stuff in there, in my mind, and if I haven't thought through when I want to find it again, I just get a pile of things. And that, in my uh, paradigm for productivity or whatever you want to call it, is a very dangerous road to go down for myself because that's how I end up with banker's boxes full of something. And, um, and then, of course, the natural inclination when we decide to get organized is to then have more banker's boxes and put it in different places. And the problem with all of those, again, for me, is that if I haven't thought about why I'm keeping it and when I'll need it again, it's useless to me. And that's why something like Spotlight is fine for that uh, on my everything bucket called the computer. But my point is that with, with Evernote, I, I, first, in your case, you, you've got a workflow that works, and that's what I'm trying to move toward. Um, and the, the two major kinds of things are like what – what not just what belongs in here, but what is Evernote well suited to doing giving its given its features? And in the time that I was gone, it's become a whole platform. I mean, I, I can't believe it does handwriting recognition now. I mean, it doesn't, you know, trans, transcribe it. But I mean, I did the test the other night where I, I wrote on a piece of paper. I did the, you know, add a photograph a page. And then I was able to, you know, uh, search by uh, the, the contents of it. It was crazy. So for me, it's, it's a matter of I, I really kind of need to start over in a lot of ways with the idea of like, what is this really for? Um, and that's, that's kind of the workflow that I'm, I'm struggling with now. And as soon as you told me, I, you know, it's not, actually, there were two things. Your article helped a lot, but then I also discovered like that, have you seen that Hello app that they've got? It's called, I think it's Hello, Hello Evernote or something. That's a contact sharing one. Yeah, kind of. It's yeah. at the most basic level. So, you know, as you I imagine using the recipe app. Katie, there's a cool recipe app yeah, now I've you can that. get for your phone. Yeah, yeah. But in this instance, you know, it, business card scanning has come a pretty long way. Isn't it ironic that we go out, as John, I think as, uh, who was it, as, uh, I guess as Brett says, it's funny that we go out and we pay all this money to have these cards printed so that we can hand them to other people to then, like, scan them and throw the card away. Yeah. 
But we, what's neat about this for folks like you, or especially people in like sales, or you know anything where you're uh, where you're really meeting a lot of people and need to contextually remember, you know where you met them, for example. So imagine you go into a um, a deposition or whatever you lawyers do. You go into a, a meeting room with a bunch of people. Everybody throws their cards at each other in that annoying way. You can scan everybody's card. And you can then enter that as a contact. It does a pretty fair job of card scanning, which is always great. But then it also geolocates where you took that photo. And you can then, of course, leave a note about what you talked about. So it does the scanning. It creates the contact. And now you've got an, effectively a timeline for when and where you met people. Now, that's not super-duper useful to me, but I'm just nerdy enough to go, wow, I had no idea you could even do something like that. But so then the anti-pattern is like, do I really need to add all that stuff? So in my case, I've started different notebooks. I'm very, to get back to your original point, I'm very interested um, in how you can hook up, you know, if this, then that, the sort of pipes service for moving stuff from one place to another on the web. We could talk about that if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all kinds of stuff I do with if this, then that. And in some ways, to your point about the everything, Bucket Katie, uh, if this and that is really of all the different, they call them channels that you can use. I think Evernote is potentially the most interesting of all of those channels in terms of um, piping out. You know, piping in RSS and things like that can be very interesting. But I can do stuff like say, whenever I post a new photo to Tumblr, add that to this notebook in uh, in Evernote, um, and and that to me is very very appealing. I really like this idea. I'm sorry, I'm rambling already. But I love this idea of like, if there is something that I have to do repeatedly that is going to be valuable, I'd like to automate it. But then when I do automate it, I also have to understand like, when do I go in and pair, pair through all of that? And, uh, you know, and then finally, you know, the, one of the real reasons I kind of walked away from Evernote at first was that the iPhone app kind of sucked when it first came out. It didn't really do very much. And now if you keep all your stuff synced up, I mean, it's bananas how much stuff you can have on the go and, and find really easily. So easy in, easy out, uh, you know, tagging. The, the, the handwriting and, uh, you know, the basic OCR it does of anything you photograph, I, I haven't seen anything else like it. It, it, it is really one of a kind. It, there's a reason that this is the app for doing this kind of work. And you so know what? I'm very intrigued. My hang-up is always, I've always had kind of a natural bias against closed-system data stores, you know, and... I really like the idea of, for instance, with the paperless stuff, using nested folders because nested folders are just nested folders. I can switch it to any platform I want to. I can put it in Dropbox and access it. And uh, I originally was excited about Evernote 2, and then I started using it, and I, I didn't like what it was doing to my data once I put it in there. You know, it felt kind of like a roach motel. You know, you'd stick <laughs> this stuff in, but right. you couldn't necessarily get it out. I mean, just like while you were talking, I went into my Evernote app, on my Mac and I just dragged a PDF that I had scanned into it out on my desktop. And I have this ENEX file that has come out and I should be able to just drag a PDF out of there just as easily as I put one in. That's and, a good point. Cause you don't want to end up, we certainly all, it seems like we've all, I, I don't want to speak for you guys, but it seems like we've all sort of made our peace with this idea that uh, we, you know, you don't really want to use Microsoft Office. My wife has to use it for work. She's got to deal with the DocX format, which, you know, let's be honest, DocX came along to make it harder to use <laughs> anything but Word. Yeah. So do you think that's part of it, just being gun-shy about a system 
where you're not only stuck in the system, but potentially stuck with your stuff in there? Well, I mean, they, they need to get, in order to have the magic work, it needs to get to a baseline HTML, everything that goes in there, as I, as I understand it. And so, like, when you put a text file in there, it doesn't stay just a text file. It, it's RTF f- in, exactly. the, in the interface. And um, so that was my big hang-up. And like you, I, did, I just didn't think the app was that good. And uh, Katie's, you know, always in my ear about it. So I've been playing with it more. And I find that I'm using it now more than ever. I've got this great plug-in for Safari where I can be on a web page and hit the Evernote icon and it'll save the page to a notebook. Yeah, the is, web, it, web is it any more than the web clipper or is it a special plugin? It's, it's just a web clipper, but okay. it, it, it actually detects what appropriate boxes for this page based on the content of the page. If you've never used it before. It's, it's very, of, very clever. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm using it like uh, when I wrote an article recently for Macworld, I was collecting research for it. And I did all of that to Evernote because there was a bunch of web pages that I wanted to refer to later. And and it was really great because it was able to figure out what notebook I wanted to put it in. And I still think it's really a great solution when you travel. I mean, it's, it's just so easy to put all your travel documents and everything into a notebook. And it's just right there on your phone and right there on your iPad. And it's just right there. So I think there's things for it. But... I don't really see it, at least for me, as a solution for like where Katie's putting all of her paperless documents into it. Well, while I appreciate the the onboard OCR stuff, uh, because I have a scan snap, I everything gets OCR'd for me on capture anyway. So that's not really an issue. I'm so envious of that scan snap. It's a little out of my price range right now. But the one you talked, is it, do you have the, the same one that Katie? Yeah, the, the IX five hundred. Oh my God, that looks yeah. amazing. Yeah, I you know I didn't think. When I, they told me they were coming out with a new one, I'm like, well, you know, the, what are you going to improve upon? I mean, it's kind of like the smile PDF pin thing. And I'm like, well, what can you make better? It works great. And, man, they made everything better. <laughs> it saves straight to the iPad. Well, I'm turning this into a commercial. I'll stop. But it's, well, no, it's, it's, I, they gave me one uh, a long time ago, back when I was famous. And I've bought at least one and probably two others since then. And, you know, it's it's something I played with. But then I... I, I I don't want to drag this out, but I mean, I, I would never want to disparage the way anybody does anything if it works. My problem was that like, I would rather, there are some things I, I need to scan, I need to deal with. It became like a, like almost like a fax machine for me where if I had to do that with things, I would do it. But honestly, I don't get that much paper anymore, but I have to tell you, I mean, the price tag, like I say, it's a little steep. If, if they wanted to, if Fujitsu wanted to send me one, I would happily accept it. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but you, the way you talked about the, Speed and the didn't you say in particular like you just you can't jam it <laughs> like it just won't it's do really double hard. sheets. It's really that's hard to jam. I mean that's my problem with almost everything. You know we we um, to to piggyback onto the Evernote idea. You know I I've, I've got this Epson all in one right now for printing scanning and it's you know it's the first all in one that I've ever had. I think where I'm pretty satisfied with how it does almost everything. It's kind of, it feels a little chintzy in terms of how it's made, but like, it's just feels like whenever you buy something that's not built to purpose, there's always trade-offs. It's like when you buy your stereo, you know, at Walgreens, remember back in the day, you get that, it looked like a component stereo system, but it was really just a particle board box with some circuits in it. Yeah. Um, and that's why the thing is, if you're going to be serious about something like that and a real professional, like you guys are being, it pays to get the right equipment. And the thing is the workflow that you're describing though, Katie, I, I take both of your points hundred percent. Um, and I think, you know, 
if you found the thing that supports what you need, and like if you need to search your bills and so forth, and Evernote's the right place for that, I think that's really great. Um, and 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 can I talk about a couple of ways I'm actually using it? Yeah, please. Yeah. Would that be cool? Um, well, um, a couple things just in terms of where I started out with this in whatever that was, 2005, 2006, whenever, whenever it kind of hit big, um, we do have Dropbox today, which we didn't used to have. So personally, I'm less inclined, especially given how much I want to use it on my iPhone. I'm less inclined to throw stuff in there I may not need later. Um, just to kind of go from orthogonal ag- angles, I mean, Dropbox can sync a lot of files between a lot of places, knock on wood, pretty flawlessly. Spotlight, you know, works works pretty well. It, sometimes it just breaks down and starts re-indexing for reasons I don't understand, but um, that works pretty well. Pinboard, my God, the way the pinboard, I feel like, it, it, and for me, pinboard might be my everything bucket, Katie, because I've routed so much stuff into pinboard. My, I keep my account private, and everything that I, I have, it so for folks that don't know, pinboard is... Uh, I always pronounce his name wrong, so I won't bother. Is a great, um, basically this guy, why do I always say his name wrong? How do you say it? Ma- Ma- not Maycheck, but the guy who made Pinboard. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had it right for a while. Basically, he was like, you know what? Delicious used to be really great. It got bought out. It got screwed up. So his first goal was to recreate the old Delicious we knew and loved. And then he just added so much to it. And one of the, one, to me, one of the marquee features now is how much stuff you can automatically route into there. So you could say things like, in the same way as you would do with, for example, if this, then that, and Evernote. You could, set, for example, I would set up so that everything I ever add to Instapaper is automatically bookmarked in Pinboard. Yeah, I have it set up so that anything. Um, I'm trying to remember which one I did because again, I don't look unless I have to. Um, any link in uh, Twitter that uh, that I favorite, I think it's added to that. There's all these different ways that it can do that, and to me, then. And it's easy to search all of that data. The thing I think a lot of people may not know when you get a Pinboard account is it will also, Pinboard will automatically um, cache the page for whatever you bookmarked. So anything of your thousands of things that are in there, it will cache an entire version of that page that you can then download. Um, so you can have basically this library of everything you've ever bookmarked that's you know still available. You'll, it'll tell you what 404 and stuff like that. But um, and so, so what I'm trying to get at with this is like, what are the novel things? Oh, and, and just, I'm finally to address your other point though, David, I think I'm with you on this idea that I don't want Evernote to be the place I count on to store important information forever. I want to leverage its intelligence to organize and make ready information that I have. But I, I like you and I suspect like Katie, I like, I like being able to put my hands around my own files and a lot of that you can do with Hazel. Here's a crazy one. Um, the, 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 one of the last big projects I did with Evernote that I still think is a terrific example of what you can do with it. And forgive me, tell stop me if I've said this on here before, but it was when I was looking for an office to tell you this story. No, I don't. I think you might've talked about it on back to work. I, but yeah. Yeah. yeah go, go ahead. Well, we were, um, we were moving and we wanted our daughter to have her own official room. And despite my laziness and uh, how much I detest pants, it was determined that I should find an office near where we live. <laughs> And so I had scoped out this maybe one and a half mile stretch of the big main road near my house. And I just, I walked down the street with my iPhone and every time I saw a for rent sign, 
uh, whether it looked like it was, you know, obviously whether it was an office or anything that looked like it could potentially be a place where I could have an office that had a for rent sign, I would take a photo of the for rent sign and take a photo of the building, which is great to begin with, right? Because now I don't have to remember that phone number. Um, I'll remember what the front of the building looked like, but the amazing part was the geolocation. Every time I took a photo, A, it would geolocate that so that I could actually like see it on a map, like where was this office? But also it would OCR stuff like the phone number. It would OCR anything that was on the sign outside. And that was a giant aha moment for me. So no, in that case, that was not an everything bucket. That was a project that had, that, that leveraged the unique abilities of Evernote. And I think they could put that up as a case study for how well that worked. And I found a place three minutes from my house uh, a day later doing that. Um, and so I do funny stuff like this is super stupid, but like when my daughter and I play and we're like trying to decide where to build our next fort, <laughs> I'll do funny stuff like go and take photos in different places. And then we can look at it on a map and like see how close it is to, you know, this place or that place. It sounds so silly, but to me, that's the little moments of life that things like that are perfect for the automatic geolocation, automatic tech stuff. You know, that's what I really want to leverage. And, and, and so on the one hand, I want to really, I want to use this for what it's best for, but I, 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 so I need to comb through, I need to get rid of a lot of these tags. I'm going to read Brett Kelly's book, which I have, have never, have you ever read his book on Evernote? Yeah, it's really good. Really yeah. Good. Have you read it, Katie? Yeah. We had him on the show to talk about it, actually. I like that guy. We both like metal. <laughs> um, anyway, this is going on kind of long, but you know what? There's a pattern here, which is that, you know, um, one of the things I tried to get away from, and I, it, it's, it seems like this is a value for you guys too, is that, you know, it's, it's fun to go out and as Rob, Rob Cordry was saying with Brett, there's times when you need to fiddle. You might want to fiddle just because it's, um, well, I mean, the, the good reason to fiddle is you want to make sure you're up to date on whatever kinds of tools are appropriate for your work. But sometimes it's also just a fun thing to do. And, and you do, it's so easy now for us to Google and, and ha, ha, Google for something and find the first result be exactly what we want. But we, we, it's easy to lose the um, discoverability, that feeling of sitting down with an uh, encyclopedia and, and like just thumbing through it. And that's where I think fiddling can be great because it will lead you to other things. It, if you do it well and in <laughs> sane amounts, it will make you realize, oh, there's a better way to do this. Right. And to me, that's why I'm, I'm I guess what I'm saying is I don't have that much super duper interesting stuff to, to, to say for Evernote right now, except that I'm, I'm learning more about what you can pipe in and out of it. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm really learning what, what it's uniquely suited for. I looked, you know, you can buy a moleskin now, a moleskin mm -hmm. for Evernote that I guess, I mean, I tried it in mine. It's not a, an Evernote moleskin, moleskin, and it worked just as well as any piece of paper. But, you know, if you are somebody who's an artist and wants to capture all this stuff in the right place, the, the, the final piece I think comes down to, you know, as with Pinboard, as with, you know, um, what's, what is it that NVL does? Uh, the meta, what are the meta tags? What's that, what's that uh, standard called now? Open you know meta. You, open meta. Yeah. However you use that, I mean, I, I feel like that's still an unsolved problem for me is, is, is if I, I rely so heavily on the implicit metadata in objects, right? I really... I try to name files as we've talked about at length. The way I name my text files is a, one of the most mature parts of my own process where I name it, where it's basically like tags in the way that I name it. So it's very easy to find things. And so I'm, I'm always just trying to think about if this is going to take any extra heavy lifting on my part, whether that's tagging or sorting or any of that stuff, I just like to think about what the return on that will be. 
So stuff like finding a fort with my, fort with my daughter, like that's really cool. I don't have to think about that. The other thing I use it a lot for right now that I think is pretty smart is you talked about the web clipper. Um, I realized that I was putting too much of what I would call reference files into my text file corpus, right? So I had, (laughs) this is embarrassing. I had a text file with the default password for every router that's ever been made. So if you're ever somewhere and you want to get on Wi-Fi, a surprising number of people (laughs) leave the default password. That was like a two meg file. Um, that's a really good thing to put into Evernote. Manuals, right? I, do you really want to have to like remember how this goofy feature on this poorly constructed gadget works? I, all those manuals now I throw into Evernote. And I think that if you're going to start somewhere, I think that's a really good no-brainer project. I've, also, I, I've got a place on Dropbox where I can put that, but um, having all the documentation is, is to me a perfect use of Evernote. Do you and know that's what I mean? Because when you're in the iOS device, your iPad, for instance, you can mm-hmm. just go get access to it much quicker than drilling through on Dropbox and then opening it and sending it to a PDF app. And it's, but yeah, and it's also uniquely suited. I guess if you do get into the whole scanning racket, like that's really good because you can search, you know, and, and increasingly a lot of PDFs are made of text instead of just pictures, which is great. So if you want to go search for some, search for the word alarm, right, it'll find that. Like I have this. It doesn't matter. I've got this one gadget where that I can I can never remember how to turn off the alarm or fix the alarm. So that kind of searching is is really powerful to me. You know, another side point on this: if you're getting new devices these days, don't scan the manual. Just go and Google and search. You know, new clock radio from Sony XSP two three five PDF manual, and almost. Everyone I've searched for in the last few years has been online already. There are whole websites just dedicated to, sto- you know, storing manuals. I, I totally agree. I, I've never not found the manual for something made even in the last 10 or 15 years. Um, how, that, are you, um, how are you storing all this stuff? I mean, I know it's an Evernote, but it, do you have a specific manual notebook? Are you naming it in a specific way? Are you throwing everything in one single notebook and tagging it? How, how does this all get organized? In general? Well, in Evernote, manuals. but yeah, or in general. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, yeah in general. Well, well, um, well. I mean, you know, um, when I first started getting into wikis and making wikis for people, uh, and you know, for small groups or whatever, my, my first rule, and I, you know, Ward Cunningham might disagree with this, but my first guideline for anybody who wanted to make a wiki that really works was to try and enter all the information on one page. One page sounds so stupid because it's a wiki, right? It's fun to make links. It's fun to make pages. It's fun, fun, fun. No, until it's untenable, put all of the information on one page, right? So it's kind of the opposite of people who would write a book by doing an outline first or whatever. Well, the way I'd start writing a book if I ever wrote a book was to just start writing and see what it turned into. And then at a certain point, it becomes clear to you what the shape of the data is. And you go, okay, well, this is getting real heavy in this one section. And it's clear that we need a category for this. And you break it off and so forth. That's how I feel about uh, Evernote. I don't, I, I, I've, in the past, I've had a primary notebook that was my name, and then I had a second notebook that was for our house. So when my wife and I were thinking about stuff we wanted to buy for the house or things we wanted to do, we would share that notebook. And I and now as I play with it more, I'm realizing how easy it is with If This Then That to create other notebooks. And I'm already asking myself, like, wait, 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 wait a minute. Why are you making all these different notebooks? So if you're somebody who dives, really dives into Evernote, I have a feeling 
I should turn this into a question. What do you do? Do, do, do you create different notebooks like for your for, for invoices, for bills, for manuals? How do you do it, Katie? I have a bunch of different notebooks, but my default notebook is called Dot Inbox. And I, I put the dot so it rises to the top of my notebook list because I guess they're oh, sorted yeah. alphabetically or whatever. So anything that goes into my default notebook just because it gets clipped or whatever, that's that's kind of like that's my inbox. That's where I deal with it and then put it wherever it goes. I've either don't need it and I delete it or I move it to whatever inbox it goes in. And then I, you know, you can how you can make these notebook groups. No, I didn't know about that. Yeah, you can. I don't know if they're called groups or bunches or whatever they are, but you can basically. I, you know, notebooks are really an analogy for folders for me because they that that's really what they are for me. That's different from tags. Yeah, no, no. I very seldom use tags, believe it or not. Really? How Mm -hmm. interesting. To me, tags are just a little another little bit of information for search. Well, you know, um, I'm I'm starting to think maybe that, you know, um, Dropbox is, is my Evernote in some ways. Um, one thing that I do, um, it seems like you always want to talk about stuff like the paperwork and how we deal with all the receipts and, and stuff like that. Every time I buy anything online, I think this is built in, but there's a workflow or whatever built into, this is where I'll turn it over to you nerds to tell me how this works. But when anytime you go to a print dialog box and you see that PDF button, you yep. can click on the, you guys know this, but you click on that PDF button and you discover this wealth of options for things that you can do. One of which is, in my case, I've got one, I, don't, I can't remember how, whether I made this or it came with it, but it was save, save this PDF to the, to Dropbox web receipts. And so what that does is every time I buy anything online, I hit that and that PDF saves automatically without me having to do any intervention. It saves it into that folder of, of web receipts. And so anytime I need to go, oh, when did I buy that thing? When did I, you know what I mean? All I have to do is go there and everything's already in there. It's all searchable. That's the kind of thing that that, that really comports with how my brain works, you know, because my natural inclination when I'm not doing it well is to just save everything to the desktop, which I've learned actually can have performance ramifications. I didn't know this until recently. Um, and when you get I to really my age, I always thought that was a, um, an old, an old wives, wives tale. tale. Yeah. That's yeah, true. That's, that's a little bit ping pong. But yeah. um, no, I well, if, go Google this. But I, I have, it, it, they say that if you have especially a lot of large video files, that one reason things can slow down on an ancient computer like mine, they say, is that Quick Look is re-indexing those all the time to make sure it has an updated version of. So, like, if you've got a, for the sake of argument, five point seven gig MKV file on your desktop, if you've got fifty of those, it's re-indexing like re-indexing those super hard to make sure that they're updated. I don't know if that's accurate. What I do know is accurate that is that like the desktop is not a smart place for me to put anything except professional RAM. Like if it's something that I'm working on right this second, that's a good place. But it's pretty, you know, if I look at my desktop and there's 700 items in there that are named test, test number four, <laughs> I, I may not be doing something optimally. Same with that, my downloads folder. That's a sign you've gone off the rails. And so then what do you do? You create a Hazel rule that will automatically file all of that into the <laughs> folders by date. Okay, great. Now what? Well, now I can find things by date. Okay, when is the last time that you forgot how to use Spotlight to search things by date and you needed to go look in a folder? What that creates for me is the day that I, now I got to go open up Daisy Disk, which is a great app, um, or Omni Sweeper. Do you guys use Daisy Disk? Yeah, we do. Uh, they actually sponsor the show. We're big fans. Oh man, is that ever between Daisy Disc and Gemini? Um, I'll just have this Night of the Long Knives. Sorry for the Hitler reference, but I'll just go through and with Daisy Disc and um, and Gemini, I will just find so much junk that I can get rid of 
in, in practically no time. And so I'll do that on my desktop. Anyway, I'm sorry. We're like so deep in the stack. Have you guys used uh, Gemini? No, I'm looking it up right now. What is it? Um, it's a duplicates a- finder. You know how when everybody asks us, do you guys have a duplicates finder that you use on your Mac? And you say, no, I really don't have a problem with duplicates on my Mac. That's what people who have problems with duplicates on their Mac use, David. Okay. Well, yeah. and... You sounded a little angry there, Katie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, no, I, I like just created that. a text expander snippet for that because I've replied so many times to that question. I like, I, I like saucy Katie. I like angry Katie. This is good. Um, no, but you're right, Katie. It is. It, but what's neat about Daisy Disk that, I, or excuse me, I'm sorry. One of the things that I believe separates Gemini from the others, several things really. Um, duplicate, not duplicate annihilator. That's iPhoto. But there, there are set, n- numerous like third-party apps that you can get that will find duplicates, and they have different algorithms. You can get real nerdy. Uh, about exactly what criteria you want them to follow. Do you want it to be the larger of these two seemingly similar files, the more recent? Gemini is really brain-dead easy to use, and it's particularly terrific for finding exact duplicates, which is really what I care most about. I don't want, I don't want my app to try to be too smart about something that looks like a duplicate. So if I've done something like, let's say I've done a backup, of my text folder, my text files folder. And then I did another backup. Like I will frequently zip that, but just for the sake of argument, let's say I've, I've goofed up and now I've got two nearly identical things. You grab those two folders or whatever. You can do the whole contents of your drive if you want. You drag it onto there and it will very quickly whip through all of those, find the exact duplicates. And then you can auto select to say, if these are exact duplicates, like get rid of like you may say, for example, like this folder full of stuff I know is more recent so or has more stuff in it. So always, if you're going to delete, delete from this folder and not that folder. Pretty basic stuff that would be a real pain to do with something like Diff or um, Unison or any kinds of things like that. Anyway, and so it's really, it's really pretty. It's really easy to use. It's very fast. And then here's where I think it's different from a lot of other apps. It can also work on iTunes and iPhoto. Nice. Which, I mean, if you've, I'll tell you, nothing makes my brain go deader than thinking about dealing with my iPhoto libraries. I have so many iPhoto libraries and I have stakes, right? I have so many pictures of my kid I don't want to delete just because they both happen to have the same file name or whatever. Yeah. But those two apps, I think Daisy Disk and um, Gemini are well worth the dough. Um, because you know, I've said this before, but like things like the like PDF pen. I don't love doing stuff with PDFs, but if I'm going to do stuff with PDFs, it's going to be PDF pen. If I have to do anything with duplicates, it's going to be with Gemini. And anytime I need disk space, for those of you who don't know, Daisy Disk presents it basically scans your drive or scans a folder and gives you this really nice graphical uh, sort of pie graph of where all your disk space is being used. But the best part is then it lets you easily drill down into folders. And so, like, let's say you're really running out of space on your MacBook Air. Uh, in, in my case, and I go, oh, I got to get rid of stuff. So blah, 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 and runs through it and he goes, okay, well, you have a user's folder that's really big. Okay, go into user's folder. Oh, well, there's this uh, Merlin man guy who seems to have a lot of files drilled down into that. Wow, you have a lot of stuff in your iTunes library. Really? Yeah, keep going in. And down to TV shows. Oh, these are all TV shows I can get again from iCloud. I add that to this collection to be deleted and so on and so on and so on. And I, I, <laughs> I can't believe how often I have no problem deleting eight gigs of stuff in like 10 minutes. Yeah. And that's my ritual before every show, because my iMac that I record on is an SSD and it's uh, always full. It's, it's just like always full. So doesn't that also degrade performance when you get, I mean, is am I, am I so old? Yeah. When you get too full, you're getting less, you can do less swapping and stuff like that. Right. 
Yeah. So before the show, I started up Daisy Disk and because my we share this computer, the whole family shares it, and my kids don't care. They'll just put it whatever they want on the and and with iTunes now, they'll download a bunch of music onto the hard drive. So those files it, are big, boy. Yeah, it, it doesn't take long. So it's a great device. Hey, you know what? You mentioned PDF Pin, so I think this is a good point to uh, take a break and talk about our exclusive sponsor today which is Smile. And uh, Smile has some great products, one of which is the new version of PDF Pin for the Mac. And uh, I'm a big fan of it. Um, We were just talking before we went on air about the video I did for them. Uh, I really think that Smile did an amazing job with this update because they brought new features to the game that, you know, I just didn't really associate with a PDF app before. And in particular, I really like this new feature where you can export to Word. So uh, if you get a PDF document and you want to be able to work on it and they send it to you in a format PDF that really doesn't lend itself to editing um, with just one button in PDF pin, it exports a very reliable Word version, which then you can track changes on or you can move over to pages if you prefer pages. And then when you get done, you can stick it back in PDF if you want, or you can send it back to the person as a Word or Pages document. It's it's really quite magical, and, and it's a feature that I've been using like crazy ever since PDF Pen 6 came out. How about you, Katie? Have you tried this out yet? I've tried it. I love that feature because it really, you know, when you said it before, when one of these attorneys sends you something and they don't want you to edit it, but you need to edit it and you just convert it to Word and say, ha ha, send it back to them. And they're like, how did you do that? And you're like, not telling. But (laughs) the other feature that I have really enjoyed is I have started, you know, I do um, in in some of my practice, I, I try to collect information from clients. So I've started trying to develop some forms when a client comes in with a particular issue. I know that I've got to get a specific type of information or my assistant's got a specific type of information from these people. So I've, I've started to develop these forms where the clients can put in basic information like, you know, name, address, phone number, basic contact information. But then I get into specific information about the type of case that we're working on. You know, I, I need this information, this information, and I've got, you know, lists and checkboxes and this or this or this or this, and they go through. And so I've, I've created some pretty complex multi-page PD, uh, forms, and I just created these in Microsoft Word using my, um, using my computer at the office. And I thought, you know, this is a perfect opportunity for me to use the new automatic form creator portion of PDF Pen 6. And what this will do is, again, it's one button, you click, and PDF Pen 6 will automatically go through and figure out where the forms are on your page. So if it sees like a a line, you know, it will figure this is probably a text field. If it sees a bunch of lines together, it will probably figure, okay, well, this is a bigger text field. If it sees a box, it will figure, okay, this is probably a checkbox. If it sees like a radio button, it will see, okay, this is probably a radio button or a drop-down menu or whatever. And it has been remarkably accurate you know, one button and it goes through and it creates all of the form fields on my page. Um, I think it's been near 100% accurate on the simple forms that I've run through it. And at the end, I've now got this PDF form that I can either upload to our firm's website or email to clients. So they don't have to send me back this scrawled form with handwriting that I can't even read. They can type in it and send it back to me. And then I've actually got a nice typed form for my file and not have to worry about getting it mailed, getting it scanned, getting it faxed or whatever. And that's a feature just in PDF Pin Pro, by the way. So if you want to do that, you need to get the Pro version. Um, and then I think that the last thing I really like about this new version is the interface is just so much better. Um, they've they've added this edit bar. So now with just with one click, you can access the most frequently used features. And it makes annotation of your PDF, I think, a lot faster and more efficient. 
Uh, it's really a great version on the Mac. Can, can, I, so, ask a, can I ask a question? I didn't mean to yeah. interrupt you. Yeah, go um, ahead. I noticed when you did your video, which is, a, again, fantastic video people should watch, they've added all those proofreading squiggles. If you, no, they, they didn't is, add those. those has that always, always been, been in there? Yeah. Okay, well, I never realized they were so easy. Now they're very easy to get to. I love that app, and I'd never known that was in there before. And now with the way it intelligently sub, can subselect based on what your current tool is, uh, it's, I think it's terrific. I, uh, things like that makes it so much faster. It's fun to, to, to draw on a page, but that seems like so much faster for doing revisions and stuff like that. Yeah. So if you're re- reviewing a document, you can draw, you can drag in the paragraph symbol or whatever proofreading symbol you want to right out of the library. Um, and uh, one feature I don't think I mentioned in the video, but the library now syncs over iCloud. So wow. if you buy it from the Mac app store and you've got the iCloud support, you've got all of this stuff syncing across your multiple devices. So if you're using it on the iPad and the iPhone and the Mac, all of this stuff just works. Um, so they do support iCloud. In order to get that, though, you need to buy it from the Mac App Store. And uh, so you need to go to the Mac App Store to get that. I'm a big fan of the iCloud support on PDF Pen. I think it's one of the places where I, iCloud really shines because I like having the most important PDFs to me available everywhere. If you don't care about iCloud and you want to use Dropbox, then you just get the standard version. You can buy it from the Smile website, and that's smilesoftware.com. And they they can't support iCloud unless you buy it from the App Store, but you do get Dropbox if you buy it direct from Smile. Right. You can find more information about all the new features and the purchase options over at Smile's website. Again, that's smilesoftware.com. PDF Pen starts at $59.95. PDF Pen Pro is $99.95. And again, they do have on their website options for family packs, office packs, upgrade pricings, and things like that. So you can find more information on their website. And uh, thanks to Smile for their support of Mac Power users. And we'll be talking about them a little bit more later. Uh, Merlin, uh, when you did it, you did a series over and back to work on GTD, which I thought was just great. I mean, I was linking to it and telling everybody this is a good place to kind of get yourself rebooted on this stuff. But one of the questions I wanted to ask you when you were doing that, and I never got around to it, was how do you see all this changing with technology of 2013. I mean, now that we all do generally have, you know, these smartphones in our pockets and tablets and all of these things, um, how do you see GTD changing to uh, fit these new technologies? Well, I think the thing most people notice if they've been doing GTD for a while is um, an area that's been that's thorny for a lot of people, which is contexts and how to use contexts. And for those lucky people who haven't been caught up in our, our little cult yet. Uh, contexts are a way of uh, describing your work in terms of the actual sort of verbs. What are the tools? What are the opportunities? What are the limitations? I can only use my phone when I have the phone nearby and I'm, say, not on a plane. That's different from being on my Mac because I can use my Mac all these different places. I can only talk to my wife when I'm with my wife and so forth. And so it becomes a way to split your work into the projects or the outcomes, if you like, that you're working towards as well as then if you think of the – the 90-degree angle of that is your context. So what can I do right now? And so on. I think contexts are can be really problematic for people, especially <laughs> – I used to say people in technology because – but I think it's really getting more true for everybody. I think in 2001, when, when the book was published, um, the sort of folks that David had coached and the sort of people that he directed the book toward, in my opinion, were people who were like him. People who traveled a lot, people who talked to lots of different people, people who maybe had a paper planner system and so forth, the classic sort of executive. Um, and so it made a lot of sense to say these are things that I can do at office, you know, at home, 
at computer and so on. But even in 2001, uh, I first I first read it in, I think, 2003 or so. But even then, somebody like me could look at that little cockeyed and go, well, at computer, I'm, I'm at computer all day long because it's like at oxygen. I'm, I'm always here. Yeah. And yeah. so the funny thing is, I mean, and the trouble is that the contexts are such a powerful way to help um, – well, it's you know it's a deep dive going to GTD, and I I have to say if if you're into this stuff, it's worth listening to those episodes we did the show because I think they're pretty good. Maybe yeah, I'm going to link them. Okay, and, and we're going to like pick up. Let's pretend that you've just paused this po- podcast and gone to listen to all of them. I just want to go kind of at the <laughs> end of this road, you know. Yeah. Well, no, now that you've gone for a day and a half and come back, wow. <laughs> the um. Sorry. The, uh, <laughs> Uh, we should have a people complain together. that I don't talk enough in these, so you know. Sorry, I'm afraid. Go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I had a big uh, white chocolate mocha before we started. It's early <laughs> for you. It's afternoon for me. I'm allowed to drink. I uh, I had a tonks. I pushed the tonks. Um, we uh, struggle with that because the, the the context stuff is very powerful. It's a way of, I mean, once you get getting things done, which you just got by listening to the seven days of podcasts that we did, you you, you get that, you know, wow, it's really powerful to think about my work in terms of, of outcomes. That seems so obvious. Well, but people don't, right? They don't think about the outcome. But how do you get to the outcome? You get to the outcome based on what you can do. It's not, as we like to say, it's not just about priority. But, and so in my case, when I when I had that realization about at computer equals equals at oxygen at internet. Well, when I have the chance to go, like, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, once at, your 300 baud gets fired up, <laughs> my acoustic modem where I put the phone down on it. Um, but then, so I went in way in the other direction, which was stupid. And I think I mentioned this when we did the, um, OmniFocus event, um, back, was it in January? Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. January, February, yeah. whenever that was, um, I got to the point where I got so stupid that I would have, you know, at, at, uh, at office. And then under that, I had a nested context for at desk, at computer, at print. And, you know, I was a real, you know, what, aha what is moment. that print at printer or at oh, stuff? I got to print out on my printer. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> no, no, no. That's the point. You're right. It's stupid. It was dumb. It's, you know, that didn't help me do my work any better. But to, to get back to the question of uh, uh, 11 days ago, um, that's a huge change from when the book was written. And uh, I, I used to really wonder aloud a lot of the times, like, what if what should, in my opinion, as the, the great productivity guru, as they say, like, what should David update about the book? And I've really, I've come, I went 180 and then I think I went 360. Because <laughs> at one time I thought, David Allen should update this book to talk about the internet age and blur, 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 blur. But you know what? It's all, as David likes to say, I keep coming back to what he says, which is it is all in the book. You're the one who has to decide what your contacts are. David can't be the one that, that lays all that out for you. If you have thought through, well, let's say second of all, you've thought through the work that you need to do. But first of all, you've thought through how you work. You'll discover what contacts you need. And God willing, you'll reduce them to the amount that you actually need to use. And so, you know, if you're wondering why your at drawing context is not producing a lot of excellent new drawings, it might be because that's a really stupid context to have, unless it works for you, in which case that's great. At at write a book is not a great context for me. And so I think that's one thing that people struggle with a lot. Um, to in my, in my opinion, this is kind of a second point, I guess. Did you want to say anything about that? Well, I, I just, in terms of context, I know there's a lot of, 
stuff going around the internet. I think Sven Fechner did a post that a lot of people liked where he was talking about using context in entirely different ways, like energy levels and things like that. And that stuff has never really appealed to me. me I use very, yeah. some very traditional contexts. And to be honest, I don't use them that often, but when I do use them, it's really great. I mean, if, if the internet goes down at my work, which happens once in a while and all the projects I was working on get stalled because of that. I go to the phone context and I start returning calls. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's just there, but I don't, I don't really live in context anyway. Well, that, that's kind of the point that I was going to ask is, is how important and how critical to a GTD system are these contexts anyway? I mean, and at the end of the day, I mean, David, your, your big thing that you preach is don't spend all day fiddling with your GTD system, spend all day actually doing stuff that, that you're supposed to be doing. So the context in my mind are really just supposed to be there as a cue to say, okay, well, if you're not really sure what you can be doing at this moment, here's a list of things you could possibly be doing, but it's not like you don't have other places where you could look to see what you could be doing. It's not like if, you know, something could be in a desk context or a computer context or a, or a phone context that you can't necessarily see it if you don't happen. I guess it depends on how you, you view things, but it's not like, oh my gosh, I can't get work done because I don't have my contacts set up properly. Well, Too much? if you were, no, if you were, okay. if you were, um, I, I, I don't precisely understand what you guys do day to day, but I think one example, if you're in trial or you're in a little bit of work that I've done working with lawyers, I know there are two crazy things that happen. Um, again, correct me if I'm anywhere wrong, which I probably will be. On the one hand, you could be really suddenly deluged with something you didn't expect. So yeah, maybe right. a client a client comes up with some crazy new thing you've got to deal with. In our case, we did it was tort litigation. And uh, when we would do the discovery, there'd be a knock on the door. The UPS guy would come in and we get like 35 banker's boxes of stuff that was all deliberately put in the wrong order that we suddenly had to deal with. Oh, they gave us everything, but it wasn't in the right order. And so, wow, that's a real surprise. That's going to really change up what I can do today. So, so hold that one in your, in your RAM for a minute. And then thing number two is sudden delay. You didn't expect you blocked out this amount of time to do something. You said, I'm going to be working on this case for two weeks or whatever. I think this is applicable to lots of people's jobs. Um, maybe a small example of number two mm, is, uh, you were expecting this thing to start. Let's say you went somewhere for a meeting and you got there and you're not the, the biggest, uh, one on the totem pole. Somebody has to leave the meeting for 15 minutes probably might be more. We're not sure. It's going to be at least, well, it'll be at least 10 minutes. We think it'll be 15 minutes. Well, you know what? Just, I'm not sure how long it's going to be. Just stay here. Mm, isn't that the worst? Yeah. So on the one hand, you could be so overwhelmed with stuff that you really need a fast way to go. What can I get rid of right now? You know what? You know what I mean? The projects view is a fantastic way to go. Oh my gosh, all of this stuff is going to have to wait. I'm going to select all of these on OmniFocus and kick them forward one week with the start date because I can't even look at these right now. There's no way. This is, if you like, the huge priority. Other end of the continuum, Katie, you've got maybe 10 minutes, maybe two hours. What do you do first if you've got the time? If you know there's nothing you can do but sit there, in my case, let's say a call got canceled. All I can do is sit here and stew. So that's the beauty of GTD is I know I'm in this room. There may not be Wi-Fi access, you know. For example, when we went through um, customs and immigration at the airport, we had about a two-hour wait coming back in the country a couple weeks ago, and there was no service at all, and you weren't even supposed to look at your phone. We couldn't reschedule a flight, 
because there was no access and I wasn't even supposed to look at my phone. Well, what do I do in that case? In cases like that, that's where contacts become powerful in the typical day-to-day workings is you go, okay, you know, you don't want to overthink it and you don't want to have 900 of these contacts for, you know, working at your desk. But I think that can be very powerful, especially for folks like you is to go, okay, well, I know I've got at least 10 minutes. What can I do? Wow. That's, that is a case study for the natural planning model. Okay. I got lots of energy. Good. Uh, I have the following contacts. I could write, I could read, I could send a text, that kind of stuff. I can do stuff on my phone, right? Um, you could say, well, let's get to it. What's, well, what does it really come down to? It comes to, down to, like, on the one hand, priority should never be your main driver in, if priority, I'm sorry, priority as the main driver of, like, how you do your work will make sure that you're constantly stressed out and never getting to any good stuff because you'll be stuck with what David calls latest and loudest. But in that moment, if you've thought through your work and that you've done your contacts in a way that's sensible, then priority does matter because you go, I, I know so much about my job that intuitively I'm not going to stress out because I got 10 minutes. I'm going to be kind of excited because I got 10 minutes. This just liberated 10 minutes I didn't have before. So maybe I can go look something up here. Maybe I can relax and read Instapaper for 10 minutes. But I, 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 I think that's where it can be really useful. The other yeah, and thing, it, and it does feel really great when you like knock through that phone list and you just, you know, you kill seven phone calls. And, and, and you know, I'm on top of my game to where I can do that in the full on mind, like waterway, maybe 10% of the time. I'm sorry to say, I just, I don't do getting things done as much as I used to, but you know, this, this is a point that, that, that must be beaten to death. Um, from my point of view, because OmniFocus, okay? So in OmniFocus, I have greatly reduced. I mean, you know, Katie, I was ribbing you about like when you go back and look at things or people who like to, you know, file their email in all these ways. Like I just search for everything. Well, I have really, really reduced the number of contacts I have. So like the contacts that I use a lot are web, email, and then I have one called go to office and go to home. So, um, sorry, Marker there. Was that a click, click, click? Are we okay? Did you guys hear that? Okay, yeah. sorry. Um, and, and just for what it's worth, I distinguish house from home and work from office. I can do work anywhere. I have a sphere of things I need to do about my uh, home life, which I can do anywhere. House is a location where I do stuff. Office is a location where I do stuff. So I have a context called go to office that has a geolocation associated with it. Uh, you know, in the same way that I, I have lots of those. So anyway, I've tried to really reduce those, but my God, because of OmniFocus on iOS devices, I use geofencing so much and it's just let me be so stupid in a way that I find really gratifying. So just remind me, I mean, I've got, I've got a, so your folks will be pretty familiar with what this is, right? Yeah. Well, we did, we talked about this last year and, and afterwards you got me all motivated. I I did, you know, kind of follow your path and I set up very specific geofencing and search, just search contexts for things like the drugstore and whatnot. Right. And and I found I didn't really use it that much because I go to the same drugstore all the time. I don't, you know, it's not like I travel a lot. Yeah, so. yeah, right. But I mean, but like the the best example, there's there's two ways that I handle that just in, in brief. One is I have a context called San Francisco, right? And so under San Francisco, this is going to sound screwy, but I don't get out of the house that much. This is super helpful to me. Under the context of San Francisco, which is just the whole city, um, I, I might have one called downtown. So when I'm downtown do these kinds of things. And so what I've done, this is kind of nerdy, but I've set the location for down, downtown to one Stockton street, which is the Apple store. So anytime I'm within a pretty good distance of downtown, I can, you can remind me to do something that's downtown, but even inside the downtown context, I could have one call. I'm trying to think of some ones that I, that I have downtown. The point being that like 
it, it doesn't harm me to have all those contexts in there, but it pings me when I need to. And the second classic example for me is I have one called grocery and inside of grocery, I have drugstore because anything I can buy at a drugstore for the most part, I can buy at a grocery store. I find that hugely helpful. So I, I end up, it's a running joke on my shows that I end up going to Walgreens all the time because I got a kid. It used to be diapers. Today it's milk. It could be whatever. But like I, milk goes under drugstore. And then um, if it's something very specific, that the, the one, one thing is in OmniFocus, to my knowledge, you can't do a geofenced search in the sense that you can have it in your geolocating, but it will not give you a notification unless it's for a specific address. So, you know, for example, I might say, I don't know if this is making any sense, but all I'm trying to do is differentiate. I, I, uh, I learned a pretty long time ago that putting creative work into OmniFocus is a dead end for me because, again, to, to repeat what, we, what I said at that, uh, the OmniFocus event, OmniFocus is where I put a lot of, mostly put stuff I don't want to have to think about. It's why I love that uh, Apple script that... What's the guy's name that that guy put out the Apple script for generating templates inside of OmniFocus? Yeah. I'm finding that incredibly useful because um, it's all stuff I just want to put in and go, okay, somebody wants me to do a speaking gig and right now in Mississippi, like I, you know, that's one of several that I'm looking at right now. And I, it, I can automatically create this CRM like contact and when this happens and when that happens automatically. But then on the other hand, it's all just, it can become like the most tricked out shopping list in the world. I'm sorry. I'm talking a lot today, aren't I? No, that, that's good. I'll tell you one thing about, you know, modern technology and GTD that I think is an improvement is the review process. I think it was very hard to do the review as originally envisioned with having all these pieces of paper and scratching out and writing. And I, I just felt to me very tedious. Yeah. And, and the other thing is well, a lot of like hand sifting. It's like you had to go gather all this stuff with your hands and put it in the inbox. It, you know, right. Right. It yeah. was real effort all. Cause when you started out in the GTD days, it really was a lot about a lot of paper. And he really encourages you to do stuff like write on a piece of paper and throw it in the pile. It's sort of, sort of arduous to even collect all that stuff for a review. I mean, uh, I mean, the, the website was 43 folders, you know, and <laughs> that was talking about 43 folders. Yep. But, they, but, you know, now this review is much easier. And also, I think the review uh, period or incrementation, that's, is that even a word? <laughs> the, the period of time between each review can be adjusted with software, whereas the original idea was you'd review everything every week. Well, I have some projects that are very, you know, kind of back burner type of projects but they do need to stay in my system. Uh, you know, they involve a client or something and I, I can't just, you know, drop it out. So uh, I can review it once every four months. And so I can do a weekly review and not see that for four months. And I have a lot of projects that are, are that way. So it makes the review much easier to do. And, you know, and, and I, I'm kind of a broken record on this, but the review on the iPad is just a great experience. It's the and, only way to fly. Yeah. So, so I think that the technology does make it easier in some ways and, and like just the way you can capture tasks anywhere with OmniFocus is another great way. I mean, I don't know if you use it or not, but the, um, you know, OmniFocus ties into the reminders list. Yeah. So you can use Siri and just say, you know, add, I use that, you, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it, it works really, really great. So I do that all the time. So I'm constantly collecting stuff and, um, and I, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the OmniFocus setup event. They have all the videos online. Now. I thought you had a, some really good points you made in your talk about, um, you know, using the inbox to, to look, you know, to capture the stuff, but also, you know, filtering it and judging it before you start 
making it a sacred event in your life. <laughs> I'm, I'm one. Can I, can I make okay. one? I'm sorry. Please go ahead. Katie. Well, I, no, I was no, going to go off a little bit off topic still, still with this whole GTD thing, but I'm, I'm wondering if in a sense, as easy as technology has made some of this and, you know, made the review process and Siri has made getting things in there. I'm wondering if, if, Almost, we now have so many tools that we we're getting back to the point where we have too many inboxes anymore. And I, that was originally the idea of, of OmniFocus: is don't make your email, you know, inbox zero. Your email is not your inbox. If you can't follow up on something, make a note in OmniFocus and follow up on it there. And and so I've gotten away from putting certain things in OmniFocus because you know I, I know I know your system works for you, but I'm not going to put my grocery list in OmniFocus. That just doesn't work for me. I, I don't like to have milk and asparagus and and tomatoes and whatever in in OmniFocus. It's just more distracting to me than anything else. So you know David wrote an article about this, but like him, I end up using the Reminders app for things like that. But you know now I've started using Day One kind of as a professional journal to keep track of my time and my notes in the office, and that's kind of something else that I go check. But I have this review process where I check that and I, I put tasks for that into OmniFocus and things that I need to follow up on. And then everybody's saying, well, why don't you just use Evernote for that? You use Evernote for everything anyway. Why don't you put these list of movies that you want to watch or these list of things that you want to do or your journal in Evernote? And then, well, okay, well, that's another thing I have to go check. And and now I've got I've got paper that comes into my life, and especially in the office. So I've got this physical inbox that I have to check. Are, are we getting back to now we have all these tools that we're having too many inboxes? Again, it sounds like you are. I am maybe, maybe yeah. I need intervention. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if you're trying to say. Um, I'm not sure who you're talking about. Maybe but I'm the only one with like this problem. You... No, 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 no. I, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, it sounds like that's I think that... Katie's I'm angry. Today. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm not angry today, but um, but I, I've had a lot of people write me about. It. I mean, I've had a lot of people write but, me. About, I mean, why isn't are you using like this? Why are you using that? Why, you know, there's, well, there's this like great saying, tool and there's that great tool. And why aren't you, have you heard of this tool? And, oh, well, all you talk about is OmniFocus and this tool. Right. Have you tried this tool? But then we're right. just getting our stuff more and more and more spread out. And then we're having to check more inboxes. But isn't, isn't that a little like somebody saying, you know, it's really frustrating to me that there's so many potato chips at the grocery store because I keep eating them and getting fat. It's like, okay, so what part of that do you have a role in? Um, you know, in our case we're what I've tried to do. I, I tried to really move away from just trying to vend solutions for their own purposes. But I mean, if you found something that works for you, like why would you begrudge anybody else? What works for them? The, the, the larger pattern to me is, you know, I'm not really into the minimalism thing, but yeah, try to simplify and remove those things if you can. And in my case, I'm just trying to show people patterns for the most part. And on a show like this, I'm really happy to talk about the specifics, but you know, Ken case is the one who taught me like use the inbox as an inbox. An inbox is a place where you haven't thought about stuff yet. And to your point, Katie, absolutely, to my mind, minimize the number of inboxes. Because again, as David Allen says, if you don't have one inbox, your entire life becomes your inbox. Um, I mean, there's a whole separate thing we could talk about, which is the whole fiddly thing or the options thing. But for myself, that's a solved problem in that I I walked away from that a long time ago. Um, I think the best thing that folks like us can do is to help people understand what the options are but if we're really good at our job, it's to show them what might work best for them and maybe a second option. They can always go out there and read everything in the world about it. But what I always tr- hope to do or seek to do is to say, well, like a show like this, I'll nerd out about like, because that's kind of why you had me on, was to tell you like why I like this certain thing. But my advice in general to anybody who wants to get into this racket is to use your cognitive um the, the cognitive, take the cognitive burden of trying to show somebody, well, yeah, here's this thing. 
Here's why it's great. Here's why I like it. But here's why it might be right for you. And I think we've kind of done that through this whole show. Um, and we've talked about like why Evernote, this part of it may or may not be right for us. Um, and, and, but I mean, as far as to, to answer specifically what you're saying, that's, I'm trying to live exactly what you're describing, which is, I, you know, I, I, put, I put grocery stuff into OmniFocus because that's the most important thing I have to do today. If my daughter doesn't have milk, it, it, there's going to be a problem. I'm going to hear about that. So I have an office and I have home. I have certain places I need to go, but that, that's just what works for me. And I think the reminders thing is great and it does work for lots of people. I love that it integrates now with stuff like BusyCal. It's so great to me that it can, you know, it, it used to be you had like alarms over here and you had your to-do list over here. Do you know what I mean? And the, yeah, well, the, I mean, the, Apple the, was just not good at to-dos for so long. Well, that's the neat thing about the reminders though, is it can be both now. Like I, yeah. I, I never touch iCal. It drives me bananas. But BusyCal, especially on um, Mountain Lion now, is just is so dynamite for that. But, you know, this is actually, I, right before I interrupted you, what, the only thing I was going to say about, last thing about getting things done in my point of view is, um, you know, we're talking about all these pieces and parts of it and these kind of aspects and saying, you know, we're assuming you know about this. If you're going to really try and do getting things done, are you going to try and get, get back into getting things done? I have one piece of advice, which is dive in 100%. Because um, one reason you may have stepped away from it, as I have right now, like I'm, I'm not stressing out because it's working. What I have works fine for me. But there are times when I get really like there's too much going on and I need to go back to the meetings again. <laughs> and for me, I, I just got to say, before you look at the apps, before you do any of that stuff, don't worry about OmniFocus. Read the gosh darn book. And really absorb what the book is about, because to, to everybody's point here, like you're gonna you're gonna abuse, misuse, and and fiddle forever unless you're really adopting what that book is about. And it doesn't have to be that book; it's not a cult. It's just that if you're the reason that book has worked for so many of us is it, is it is a whole system. Now the only other the the opposite, I think one interesting opposite point of view on that is look at Mr. Rob Cordry, who started with OmniFocus. You've heard the story. Yeah. And then he discovered GTD as a result. I think that's a little bit unusual. Um, I, I think, though, that, that what getting things done gives you is containers. It helps you understand how you work and gives you simple containers for understanding where stuff should go and then what you want to do about it. And I think that's, that can be valuable to almost everybody. But, you know, it's like, it's like um, antibiotics. If you just take antibiotics until you feel a little bit better, you're not really getting rid of the problem. And so that's all I would say to people is before you go down this, like we're saying, Katie, before you go down the rabbit holes of every conceivable option for doing your workflow that you don't understand yet, make sure you understand your workflow. Make sure you understand what the point of your job or your life is, and then you'll find all kinds of crazy ways to fix that. But you, it needs to be predicated upon like that true understanding, I think. Well, I can say that um, I, I am so, I'm so into GTD and I use it all the time and I really attribute my ability to essentially run two jobs at once and not be a lousy dad on, you know, my ability to use this stuff. But if I have any fault right now, it's that I'm, I'm really running too much in the red line too often. I need to <laughs> this is now you're like your third year of saying that, David. <laughs> yeah, I know that's true. I guess it's, it's just where I'm at at this point in my life, but I really think that, you know, the GTD tools make it so it make it possible. Let's just put it that way. Totally. So I, I'm a huge fan. If I ever meet Mr. Allen, I'm going to thank him a lot. 
All right. Well, we should probably take another quick break there and uh, talk about our exclusive sponsor for this episode, Smile. But then when we come back, Merlin, I want to talk to you a little bit about iPads and iPad minis. Yay. I would love that. Be be thinking. And, um, you know, Smile also makes a lot of great software, but another one of my favorites, and actually my first introduction to Smile before I started using PDF Pen and all that other stuff, was Text Expander. So Text Expander was my original introduction to the Smile family. And Text Expander is a great app because what it allows you to do and I have set up now hundreds of text expander snippets. They, they, they're a little bit addicting. What it allows you to do is to uh, take these frequently used phrases and words or snippets of code or snippets of a script or whatever it is that you want to do and expand them by typing just a few keywords. So here's the easy example. you got an email signature and maybe your email signature changes depending on whether you're talking to your friends or talking to your business colleagues or you want to send certain information to other people. So you stick that into Smile Text Expander and type a few like uh, KF SIG is one of mine and you're good to go. Or maybe you've got a business SIG or if you're one of these lawyer types like us, you've got all that gobbledygook that goes down below your signature saying this, you know, you may not be our client. This isn't legal advice and we don't give you tax advice and blah, blah, blah. I don't know that that really does any good, but my people want me to send it out. So they've got all that gobbledygook that goes below your signature. So you can do that. One of my favorite uses of Text Expander is I've got a lot of words that I can't quite seem to type correctly, no matter how hard I try. <laughs> so I've got a whole Text Expander snippet collection called My Typos, where all of these words that I can't type correctly, I type them incorrectly and as my trigger, and then I type them correctly as the expansion. So when I type them incorrectly, the Text Expander automatically goes behind me and fixes them and makes me look like a genius. I've got Text Expander snippets for my phone number, for my address, for or directions to my house. Um, if someone is constantly asking me the same question, I've got text expander snippets to fill in the answer. I've got text expander snippets for bits of code that we use when posting things to the website. I mean, you can create text expander snippets for just about anything. And the great thing is that these snippets will sync using the magic of Dropbox and uh, go to any of your iOS devices where they have a text expander for iOS. And if the text expander, uh, if the developer of a specific app is smart and have integrated the text expander developer kit into their app, their text expander snippets will work there. And if not, you should pester your developer and have them do that. But if not, you can then expand all of your text expander snippets within the text expander app and copy and paste them wherever you want them to go in your phone. Yeah, the, you just get all that time back so quickly. I, I just did a set of snippets at, the, at maxbarky.com which I call foreign thanks because, uh, you know, because the books have done pretty well. I get a lot of emails from international readers and I think it's fun when I write back to them to say thank you in, in their language. And, you know, I just, you know, I don't remember all of them and, and a lot of them have interesting, you know, characters, not the standard alphabet. And so I, especially like in Asia. So I've made this whole series of snippets that like I can say Persian thanks and it will say thanks in Persian at the bottom of the snippet. And it's really fun and, and readers really love it when you do that. Um, so, you know, that's just one example. There's just so much you can do with this app. I know Merlin, you put some really funny snippets up on your website at Kung Fu Grip sometimes. <laughs> I'm holding my tongue because I could talk about Texas Mander all day long, like so many things. But yeah, funny snippets, just silly things. And, you know, I think you're thinking of jokes and stuff like that. But, um, I, it's, you know, Brett Terpstra, gosh, we're always talking about Brett. Yeah. He had a, he had a funny post. Drink. Yeah, we, the last <laughs> the episode we said game. we're going to have a Brett Terpstra drinking game. I think, I think we could add Hazel to it too. Hazel or Brett Terpstra. I would be under the table in about 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, 
but he says, you know, I, I have to agree with him that like, like, like Dan Benjamin, like Brett, like you guys, the very first thing I have to do is, is get text expander installed on something. And frankly, I just, I use it so much on iOS. I, it's, it, iOS would be so much less usable to me. It's like copy and paste probably more than anything, you know, but then, then uh, text expander. And I, I just, just one note. I mean, we do sound like a broken record and sometimes we're paid to be a broken record to talk about these products. But I finally, <laughs> this happens so often that I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I, just like yesterday, somebody uh, who follows me on Twitter that I also follow on Twitter was like, I, can't, I finally got text expander and I cannot believe that I wasn't using it before. Yeah. And I just, I want to smack myself on the head because you get so, you know, people say, oh, I'm so tired of hearing about this thing. I was like, well, go try it and find out. Like, you, you think enough of us to listen to this show. Why don't you go find out why we're talking about it so much? Because there's a pretty good chance that you can you could use this to save time. But you know what? Even if you're using it, I, I can literally promise you that there are ways you could be using it any better. You could, could be using it better. There's so much to do with this. Once you start, again, think about your workflow. So I would just say for people who have gone brain dead to hearing about these great apps, that's a shame because once you start using this, you're going to curse the, the the sad life you had before this started living in your fingers. Yeah, here's one that's um, really kind of out on the edge for our audience. But, you know, lawyers, we do what we call written discovery. And I had a case that involved 10 contracts. And I had the contract numbers and I had a series of eight questions about each one. So I just made it all a snippet. And then I use the fill-in form, but with the clipboard, you know, because it, it will look at the clipboard content. So I'd go, I'd copy the contract number, and then I'd hit the snippet, and bam, it would it put all that discovery together for each one. Then I'd copy the next one. It took me like 10 minutes to, to generate a lot of text. I, I don't know. I, I, like you said, like you with Merlin, I could just go on forever. I and this, this, uh, that support is growing. Yeah. I, I haven't played with this a lot yet, but it was actually a feature request of mine that I... I think it's some small role in it happening, but now the um, Launch Center Pro not only supports Text Expander for typing, but it can support snippet expansion inside of Launch Center Pro. Yeah. So that's going to sound like gobbledygook to people, but now that means you could say create a text file with today's date with the Unix timestamp by hitting this. I can't even do that on my Mac. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I know uh, what well, meaning. For example, I can't search by date in Google uh, Gmail, so I have a snippet for that. But you'll find ways to use this. This is a growing community. And this is so, you know what, I'm saying too much. But yeah. uh, I, I would really encourage people to look at it and go and see what other people are doing. Look at David's snippets. Look at Brett's snippets. Look at uh, Dr. Drang's snippets. It, it helps him remember where his pills are. It's very useful for Dr. Drang. <laughs> the, um, he spills his pills. I'm going right. to be in Chicago you... next week. I'm hoping to see Dr. Drang. We're working on that. So, Well, make sure you call, make sure you call ahead. You've got to be careful, David. Those buildings might fall on top of you. <laughs> Every time I go there, Merlin, because I'm from Southern California, I can't get over the way the buildings are all bricks and right next to each other. I mean, that just doesn't happen in California. And uh, Dr. Drang always teases me about it. But anyway. Well, he, can, he can explain to you in, in, in incredible detail. Yes. Why it's not He'll a send me a chart. <laughs> and about a shower curtain. Yeah. <laughs> My pills. Um, you know, moving on, the uh, I, there's a topic here we have, just kind of the iPad mini and just kind of the balance between the iPad and the Mac. And I, I'm really interested lately in both of those things. And I, I noticed when we were in San Francisco, you're carrying around an iPad mini now. So it sounds to me like you're using one quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I don't have too much to add to this that hasn't been said ad nauseum, except to just, again, amplify the truth, which is that I've loved 
having an iPad uh, for a long time. But um, once you, I hate to have to agree with all these annoying Mac bloggers, but once you've picked up an iPad mini and used it for a while, that other one feels real heavy. Um, I've never had a retina iPad, so I don't miss the retina-ness. Mm, okay. I, I, I know that drives people crazy, uh, but, but like it works great and I don't even notice it's in my backpack. My notebook weighs more. Not not like my Chromebook. I mean, yeah. like my actual like notebook weighs more than this. And I read comics on it. I do, you know, as you guys know all too well, there's so many options for text editing. And now, you know, an app drafts has represented, it's funny because like something like drafts, the uh, iOS app combined with um, the iPad mini uh, is, is leading to a sea change in how I do stuff in a way that really kind of caught me by surprise. But it really is the device that you can take everywhere. Um, I, you know, as far as what do I do on the iPad versus the Mac, I, obviously there's some huge differences. Um, you know, for example, just with our good friend Text Expander, you can't do the form fill-ins on an iPad. Yeah. You can't do the you can't run a shell script because you can't run a shell script on there. So, but here's what I do um, because there are things that I can do can only do on my Mac or can only do efficiently on my Mac that's where I do them. And this is also then where I leverage something like OmniFocus to say, hey, when I'm back at my computer, do this thing. I'll email it to OmniFocus to say, um, go get this redeem code for this um, comic. Or often is not, uh, you know, it could be reminding me to do something with GarageBand, the big version of GarageBand. But that's how I do it. And then I, to be honest, in, in terms of like just little dumb hacks, uh, I, I just before we got on here, uh, I, I really really rely heavily on PaySpot. There are, there are many apps like this, but PaySpot for me, PaySpot basically, as long as it's open, it'll remember what you're copying and pasting and then let you do things like concatenate those into one thing. The thing I use it for constantly is I open PaySpot on my iPad. I open and basically it automatically detects that I'm near this computer. I can paste things to and from. So if I clip, I clip something on my Mac and bloop, it just appears on my iPad, I use that constantly. Yeah, that's the only... Well, back up. Let's let's talk about what PaySpot is, because I think there are a lot of people who don't know what PaySpot is. I am sorry to say that you are exactly right. It, it's a freaking shame that people don't know. So what people may know is TweetBot, which came much later. The right, same folks made it. TapBots, yeah. The first thing I bought of theirs was ConvertBot, which is still a really cool, really hilarious, somewhat superfluous app that's really fun to use for converting units. Um, then they came out with, uh, I think this is the order, tweet, uh, PaySpot. Uh, mm-hmm. And then TweetBot, of course, it's the only way to fly. And then they as got far as CalcBot and WaitBot in there somewhere. Is that right? Yeah, I think they came before yeah. TweetBot. Calc-bot's I think CalcBot yeah. and PaySpot at its most TweetBot. basic usage back in the day, originally. So this is something that was after copy and paste was introduced. You know, I oh boy, you, you asked me about stuff in my menu bar. You know, stuff like FlyCut, stuff like clipboard memory and shelves. I just I don't ever want to have to type anything more than once. And if you're doing something like making a blog post, I rely so heavily on bookmarklets and Chrome extensions that can basically do the equivalent of copying three things intelligently. So it drives me bananas when I'm on my – I'm sorry. I hope that didn't all sound like Venusian. But when, I, when I'm back on, on my iPad, it drives me bananas. If, let's say I want to do a grown-up, mature, markdown link to something. Um, that's actually kind of three things, right? Even if I'm doing it in markdown. Um, I need the title of the page. I need the URL. And in an ideal world, I'd like a description that goes inside the uh, quotation marks. Because, you know, I'm kind of old school and that's how I would want to do it. Well, 
you know, you can do that with bookmarklets now, thank goodness. But one of my original ways I would use it is PasteBot. So PasteBot, you open this up. I keep it. It's one of my very few apps I keep down there in the dock. You open up PasteBot, and it'll take whatever was in your clipboard and add it into this little notional stack in there. That was cool. But now it got a lot cooler when it could be a background task because for the amount of time that PasteBot is open, which is generally, what, 10 minutes, anything that you copy anywhere, any app, gets copied into the PasteBot stack. So that's pretty great. And then it's the, it's the, it also does stuff I think even PasteBot fans may not know about. Like it's the fastest way I know of to do find and replace. So if you wanted to change a bunch of uh, return you know, lines with returns, you could easily say, begin every new line in this with an asterisk. And now you got an unordered list in Markdown. Um, so I don't know if I'm going too fast here, but the basic use of PasteBot, I keep that open so much of the time because I don't want to have to copy and paste a bunch of stuff. So let's say I copy those, any three items I just talked about. I can then hop into PasteBot, jump into edit mode, hit the bullets, the little selection things for any number of objects, and it'll group, does what's called a grouping. So it'll group all of those into one thing that can then be copied. Yeah. Right. So it's like concatenating basically, but it's, it's a real, it's really hard to do on iOS unless you use an app like that. It's and there's a second part, but go ahead. Yeah. PaceBot is the only iPhone only app that I run on my iPad. If that makes any sense, you know, because <laughs> I do, I do know. I, yeah, I use Q. There's a few that I use. And when I open them up, I'm like, oh, this I can't imagine what that's like. Do you like have any poll? Can you talk to them about that? Because not only is it an iPhone only app, it hasn't been updated for the iPhone five screen yet. I don't think that app's been updated in forever. Yeah. Well, I think Tweetbot is what sells probably. Yeah. So that's probably where they spend mm. their time. But I don't know. I don't know Paul well. He's a one of my favorite cranky people to follow on Twitter, uh, and I think he's a genius. Um, but so, so here's that other thing though. So this is what I just did for you guys. Uh, well, not for you guys, but trying you know trying to put these notes together on stuff we're talking about. So I go and I copy something off. Chrome, you know, I, I go to a site in Chrome on my Mac. I, I cop, I, uh, I open up PasteBot on my iPad. I hit copy on my Mac and there's a, there's a bloop. And now whatever I just copied on my Mac is in PasteBot on my iPad, which is really super now that's, helpful. That's because you've got a system preference running in the background. Yeah, I'm sorry. Mac, right? Yeah. There's a preference yeah. that gets expressed as a menu extra, as we used to say that, yeah, that you can, you can do it for different ones and switch between different machines, but I just keep it, you know, paired with my usual Mac that I use all the time. But then you can also do, you can, but the thing is you can send stuff either way. The other thing I'll do sometimes is I will, I'll take a screen grab of something on my iPad and then I open that, copy that and paste that into PasteBot. And then in PasteBot, I can say paste to Mac. So whatever folder I'm in on my Mac, it pastes that image right into there. I don't know of a faster way to do that than that. Yeah, that's so, nice. But, you know, the, the, the bigger thing we're talking about, I guess, is like how do you decide what to do where? Um, that could be a whole episode fr- from my point of view. But the, the most interesting part of that to me, and we covered this with OmniFocus and Reviews, but it is really, it's really funny to me how much stuff I'd rather do on iOS Certainly, for the longest time, there's a lot of stuff I'd really rather do on my Mac. But the iPad's come a long way, and the iPad apps have come a long or iOS apps have come a long way. And that's where I look at drafts. I mean, I, I, I rely so heavily now on stuff like Brett Terpstra's service uh, tools in the Markdown service tools. Uh, but, like, I live in drafts now on my iOS devices because it's so easy – I mean, I'll type something out in drafts and then send that to Fantastical, and it gets that that's an event. That's faster than dragging in, in any other app. It's like a little terminal for your phone. 
I want to talk about drafts because I think that is the app. It's got a spot on my home screen, but Merlin, I am not using it to its full potential. I mean, I pop it open. There's a lot there. I pop, here's how I use it. Mm -hmm. And and I I think I'm just scratching the basic surface. I'm I'm using it, I'm jotting a note in it, and then I'm sending it somewhere else. I'm sending it to day one, which is what I use to log my time at the office. Mm -hmm. Or I'm sending it to Evernote or I'm sending it to OmniFocus, but that's all I'm doing. I'm sticking something in draft and I'm sending it somewhere else. And I'm doing that because it's easier for me to open the drafts app, type or dictate something quick and sending it somewhere else. And that in itself is cool, and that was good enough to earn it a spot on my home screen. But then I know they did this major update, and I can do all this other cool stuff. So what what am I missing? <laughs> well, I think you're using it uh, already v- very well. I mean, that's that's what it's for. I, I, in my perception, is you know, it, it's it's like any kind of iOS text editor in the sense that you type something, and then you can do stuff like preview it in Markdown. That's really cool. You could print it. You know, if you got a printer, you know, hooked up that'll work with your iOS device. Um, but then it gets a little cooler because then you can do stuff like, say, as, as you've just noted, uh, for example, I will compose my tweets um, in drafts and then just hit send to tweetbot. And so what it, t- it takes everything you've just written, which is in a very simple, very easy to use little interface, but it gives you character count. Um, you know, it's very easy to use and, and useful. You hit send a tweetbot, and then that's all it did. Send a tweetbot, and then I can put that out as a, tw- as a toot. I can do that as uh, send to Nebulous Notes, in which case this thing will now go open as a new file in Nebulous Notes. Um, just a couple quick ones, because there's so many in here. Parse in Fantastical. Fantastical uh, for iOS and OS X, natural language event creation. It's, a, it's, a, it's just the fastest way I know of to type uh, – an event yeah. very, very fast. There's no faster way. So saying while we were, while you were doing your first spot today, I typed in uh, DDT, which text expander explodes to daddy daughter time explodes to. So, right. I typed DDT, uh, for, for 1630, 1630 to 1800 slash F. Wow. What's that? Well, DDT expands to daddy daughter time. It understands that 1600 is four o'clock, uh, 430, 1630 is 430. Mm-hmm and 1800 to 6 o'clock, so forth. Slash B, or slash F, means select my family calendar and add it to that. Boy, that's really, really fast. Yeah, the slash And doing F that on really iOS, great. the slash trick is great. Yeah. Um, it, it's just so fast to do that. Parse to Fantastical is great inside of drafts. Uh, a couple other quick ones. There's a couple of these are real nerdy, but there's, there's two that I, that I uh, one that I swear by and one that I'm experimenting with. The one that I'm experimenting with is appending and prepending. So you now have the ability, a la Quicksilver or, you know, the terminal, to now identify – I'll go through this quickly because it is nerdy. But you can go in and identify a specific document um, in your Dropbox folder and say, take this text I just wrote and uh, pre, uh, append it to that. Put, you know, put it at the end, put it at the beginning – Whatever. And you can even, there's even a little language where you could, for example, say automatically create an asterisk space to make it a markdown bullet and so on. That's pretty great. So when my daughter, we have this kind of this funny, this jokey notional list my daughter doesn't really realize is a joke yet. <laughs> I do this sometimes in Evernote and sometimes in text, but she'll say, I want that toy for my birthday. I'll say, okay, I'll add it to the list. And I do. I add it to the list. Somebody suggests a movie, I add it to the list. What does that mean? I open up drafts. I type the name of the movie and who told me about it. I hit the little arrow and I say uh, append to my media to watch list. That's great. Um, But boy, here's the killer. This is the killer. You can go in and um, create email um, events, basically. So I have one that in a nut, I go and I I, I type whatever I'm going to type for an email. And I won't even go through my whole journey in trying to not have to look at mail in order to send mail. But uh, in drafts, you just go and type your email up. And then I hit a button. 
And here's what it does. It takes the first line of what I wrote, uses it as the subject line. It takes everything else that I wrote and uses it as the body. And then it sends it as markdown, as formatted HTML. So I type, I hit the arrow, I said, say send markdown email, and it pops up that little dingus. Yeah. That, you, that very familiar send email thing. All from inside of there, I don't have to launch another app, it just goes. Uh, and that is the fastest way I know how to deal with that. And so the big pattern, the Uber pattern, all of this, you have one place you basically start dealing with text. You don't have to think about what it is yet, what it's going to become. All you know is there's text that needs to go out of your brain, go through your fingers, and get into the thing. And that's why I do everything in drafts, and then I decide what to do after it. Um, turn on just the services that you need, you know, um, keep it real simple. Uh, but it's, I don't know if that answers your question, Katie, but you, you're absolutely on the right path with the send to the send to thing. But, um, you know, you might want to, uh, the send Evernote is great, but you might want to also look at stuff like the appending and prepending if that appeals to you. The sending an right. email thing to me is, is, is just a no brainer. And for anybody who's not using Fantastical, I really suggest looking at it. Um, it took me a while to really get into it, but it's a pretty magical app. And I mean, I, I like an app called Calendars on iOS. It's my favorite calendar app, but it's, and it's great. It's fantastic, but it, it still is like three or four physical gestures plus typing. In this case, it's typing and hitting two buttons and I've created an event and that's all there is to it. It's like uh, drafts to me is like, like a cyclone, you know, and you, you think it's fine. You walk up to, you say, this might be interesting and you just touch it. And immediately you just like go up into the sky. I, I am so hooked on that app and I didn't even think I needed it when I heard about it. And I'm like, oh, it seems like just another one of those and or some text, little lightweight yeah, apps. but it, it actually defined a new genre of apps that are, it's just a really good fit for iOS. And, and you know, the, the big question about iOS and the Mac is I've been realizing the last six months that, that I'm doing quite a bit of work on, on an iPad that I didn't think I would be doing a year or two ago on an iPad. And I guess it's just natural. The devices are getting faster. The software is getting better. Um, there's still things that clearly make a lot more sense behind a, a Mac, but there's a lot of things that clearly make a lot more sense on an iPad too. So uh, it, it's really an interesting thing I'm, I'm noticing it myself and I'm not sure I have a whole lot to say about it, except that I definitely, I never would have guessed that though. I mean, would you ever have imagined that that it would be easier in my case, easier for me to send an email from my phone than it would be from the desktop. I mean, in, in my own workflow, could you ever imagine that it would be easier to do a GTD review on your iPad than it is at your at your comfortable desk. And it's just it, it really is remarkable. And some of it is like these third party developers uh, delivering the goods. Like you know the new thing with OmniFocus, the send to OmniFocus email thing, where you mm -hmm. can send a, an email, forward it to a, an an, a, an email address, and it gets added to your OmniFocus inbox. I mean, some of that stuff just makes processing on the iPad almost easier than on the Mac. And well, taking photos, like I take a lot of photos of my kid and sometimes I'll post stuff on Tumblr, but um, I use Snapseed, that, that app that was acquired by Google. I, I am not a believer in the let's make this goofy with Instagram thing. I'm not an Instagram user. But in this case, I pop over to this thing. I find the photo I want. I can do very quest, very fast color correction on it, a little bit of contrast. I, could, I can sharpen it a little bit. It's so fast, and it's so funny now because now, to be honest, when I'm on my Mac with my giant screen, I love Acorn. I'm a huge fan of Acorn. Acorn is <laughs> – I recently changed it to the .j, .jpg now opens in Acorn instead of Preview because I'm constantly doing stuff in Acorn. But it's none of this stuff in the way that I've learned or used it is nearly as fast as doing it on iOS. It's the – Constraints of iOS have forced people to become extremely efficient about screen space and functionality. 
And even as like some of the things that end up coming to the desktop um, for Apple are actually some of the most frustrating things. Like they want this iCloud stuff to work. They want this, you know, sandboxing. And it ends up being the stuff that's a real grind for users. What I really want is more stuff that works as efficiently. Stuff like, to be honest, stuff like TweetBot. I think TweetBot on the Mac is a great example of an app that started out on iOS, came to came over to um, OS X and brought with it a lot of the stuff that made it so special. In this case, it's just key commands instead of gestures, but it's 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 so fast. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I just got to say, as somebody who was skeptical about every aspect of iPhones and iOS from the beginning, and I'm always skeptical about what gets announced because I haven't used it yet. Um, I I in a million years I never would have guessed like how much stuff I now do on there. You know, I got this MacBook Air that I I just I'm on the bubble now because my Mac Pro it will not do mountain lion. It's getting old. It's getting stupid. And I can't decide. Should I get an iMac? Should I get a really tricked out MacBook, MacBook Pro? Like, you know, but I've got this MacBook Air over here that just isn't kind of like, doesn't have enough hard drive space. I wouldn't want to host all my like Skype stuff on there. But in a million years, I never would have guessed that I'm sitting here going like, well, maybe I should just get, you know, a more tricked out iPad. You know, it's, I can't believe how often my MacBook Air sits at home unused for two or three days while my iPad mini is used until the battery runs down. Yeah. So you've, you've got the highest on iPad mini or? I think so. I think I got a. With the, uh, with the cellular. Oh, you know what? I didn't. I got, I got my wife that one, but I've got the uh, Wi-Fi one and I tether to my AT&T account for about $17,000 a month. You know, we've been talking about that. How important is it now that we can, uh, well, I don't know that everybody can, but a lot of plans have this tethering. I, I got the, uh, I don't have the mini. I'm, you know, one of those people who I'm waiting for the retina, but, um, cause I, I did have a, I do have I, an I wish 3, I bought the 3G but, or 4G or LTE. I really wish I had, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, basically it's an extra 10 bucks a month to add it to my plan. Plus, you know, 120 or 130 at the time that you buy it. But I have, uh, I went out and bought the LTE iPad 3. I have used that exactly once when I didn't otherwise have access to either tethering or something else. Like uh, once when I really needed to have it. To I have wish LTE. I didn't have to tether. Um, it's handy when you travel and stuff like that because you're not beholden to that 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 awfulness of hotel Wi-Fi, which is just a terrible idea to use on every level. Um, I wish I didn't have to, and I'm envious of my wife for having that one. I got her that for for Christmas, and uh, she. Loves it. I've never never seen her use a device more than that, and it's it's it just fits right into your lifestyle. Like whatever your lifestyle is, there's a place for the iPad Mini in it. Yeah, but I wish I had. I use it a lot. I, I use it a lot when I'm out and about. To be honest, uh, again now since I can't run messages on my Mac Pro because it's on Lion and not Mountain Lion, so right I got my iPad right iPad Mini's right here so that I can check in and periodically make sure everything's good with the family. You know. I can just look at messages on here. Uh, anyway, I'm, not, I'm getting off track here, but it's it's a very, very interesting time, which we always find ourselves saying, but as soon as we're starting to see some kind of, um, something that's starting to upset a paradigm we think we understand, it gets interesting. Because that's when, you know, we p- people like in their 40s like me start getting, or people in their 60s like David start getting a little uncomfortable <laughs> and going, I wonder what this is going to turn into. This is kind of interesting. And then, 
there are opportunists, brilliant opportunists who come into the into that wake, that that weird period, and come up with all this stuff. So somebody like drafts. Now you look at it and you go, like, why did this not always exist? This is amazing. Well, the time was not always right. One password. I can't believe how much I do inside of one password right now. Yeah. A year ago, one password was a place I went and copied and pasted, and now I've got all these tab sets where I'll go in and like all my stuff involving PayPal. But you ever try and use the PayPal app? That's a lot of fun. <laughs> I could do it all through inside the browser in one password. And I, I mean, I couldn't even imagine an app like one password, the current one password a year ago. Yeah. It's, do you know what I mean? It's like, this is all, it's happening so fast and we all really reap the benefits. We can sit and have these Talmudic debates about the best place to do stuff, but we win and win and win. Uh, just because of the growth of this ecosystem and the competition to make something great. Yeah, and, and the fact is, you know, the people listening to the show are likely to have Apple scripts and services and things installed on their Macs that, you know, by and large, most people don't have. And so we have really good reasons to want to sit in our Macs because we've we've tricked them out for ourselves, you know, for our own right. workflows. But for most people who don't care about this stuff, I can already see the tide swing. I mean, they the uh, the iPad the iOS stuff is just going to be their solution. It's really interesting. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and given that that's the way in for so many people, it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of a entry level nerd um, we start seeing. I mean, obviously things like with texting, teenagers started doing that a long time before we did. But now everybody I know uh, texts, and now we've got iMessages, which makes it so much easier. I like having that ability to write a little bit more. But you know, there's always you know, if if we knew what was going to happen, it wouldn't really be the future. Yeah. You know, we've got to stay adaptable to, to looking at what's out there. In my case, you know, for someone like me in my 40s or somebody in their 80s like David, I'm, I'm always trying to figure out how can I try to keep from becoming completely calcified like Dr. Drang. Yeah, that's that's always a risk. <laughs> Sorry. But, you know, really, though, I mean, the uh, one of the points I, I was going to make is that even though I know some of the things I do take a little bit longer in iOS, you know, things that I'm very efficient on on the Mac, I still find myself doing them on iOS. I mean, the, I'm willing to lose a little bit of time for the portability and the ability to just, you know, go into Pete's Coffee and sit down with this thing and get some work done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the books is a good example. I mean, the, you were asking me about the text workflow for the books. I mean, the next field guide right now is a project in Scrivener and it's syncing over to Notesy through Dropbox on my iPad. And I'm m- probably more likely to be doing a lot of writing on that on an iPad than I am on the Mac. Does that, does that sync okay for you? I tried that with SimpleNote back in the day and a board of book number two, and I got really mixed results. How did that work it's, for you? It's fine, but it's it's you've got to treat it with some respect, you know. For, for me, that's one where you got to just pick one and stick to it. You know, I, yeah. I mean, just in my experience. But you know what I do? Um, uh, boy, it always comes back to Markdown and Brett Terpstra. Take a drink. Um, I love this thing that they've snuck into. I guess it's an NV Alt feature. Is it, is it a, I don't know if it's technically a marked feature or an MVL feature, but I love the fact that now you can do like includes. So if I've got various long sections of something that I want to view all at once, I create, and I know you realize you can do this, but in, in notational velocity, you go in and you create, it's, the language is something like, for straight up text, it's something like, you know how you do a greater than for a quote. It's like less than, less than, less than? Is it two or three less thans? And then something in, I think... It doesn't matter. Yeah. But the point is you do a bunch of those and it creates this whole document that's like chapters that are all in one previewable 
pain. You could do it with code snippets. You could show like this Ruby code from somewhere else. You don't have to copy and paste it. You don't have to repeat it. But if you were writing a short book or a long essay, you could write all those in separate places where it's easier to write atomically, but then view it all in one place. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's just the best. It, it really, we have a lot of options that we didn't have. And it seems to me that th- that's only going to increase. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, in the next two or three years, um, the iOS is going to get stronger and, and the tools like drafts, I think are going to only get better. I mean, that's what, another thing I love about drafts is, you know, he just keeps coming out with more amazing updates. So uh, it's very exciting. I agree. But I really get excited about this stuff. I guess that's why we do the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, um, I always find myself apologizing for repeating myself because it's, you know, the silly thing to do. But, you know, there's, there's still people who aren't using Text Expander. There's still people who don't know about PaySpot. Like, if, if we, um, if we become too reluctant to talk about something that we love a lot because we've said it more than once, we're missing the whole point of what we do, which is to tell people about this thing they may not know, like why we're excited about it and again, how it might work for them. Um, yeah, we're doing God's work, I think, really. Well, you know, on that subject, Merlin, you have really turned into a prolific podcaster over the four (laughs) years that we've been doing this together, you know, because so hard for me to talk. It's so hard. I think you're really great at it. I've, I've always (laughs) felt that that was like your calling is to put you behind a mic and just let you go. I told you before, you know, Katie gets the credit for the Evernote and you get the credit for that, that career changing remark that your favorite things I've said were extemporaneous and it made me really, really think. Well, it really has. So now you've got, you know, Roderick on the line, which is, which is kind of awesome. <laughs> it's, I really, have like, you really, have you really listened to yes, it? Yes. I, I want on the train. I want on the train. I've told you that already. Well, super train's a complicated thing. Cause if you think you're ready for super train, you're definitely not ready uh, for super train. And David, I struggle with it every day. I struggle with it every day. I got a small bag back bag packed and I just hope to Christ to have everything I need. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be the woodworker or something. I don't have to be the lawyer. Just, I already do a lot of woodworking at home. Okay. Mm. <laughs> okay. Um, so, but really, you know, cause the thing I've, I found about you, Merlin, that, that, you know, you have you guys scare me. <laughs> well, at least you're not angry at us anymore. Do you? No, I'm not angry. I've not, that's... <laughs> not that I'm angry. Oh my goodness. But the, um, the thing about Merlin, man, I always feel like every time I spend time with you and we're not on a podcast or something, I, it's, I'm always, really surprised at the level of preparation you put at things. I mean, you're better at it than I am. I mean, honestly, yeah, it, you are. I, I mean, think it is, you should see the outlines that David Oh, I've together. seen them. I've been very bewildered by things you guys have sent me. It, it, it is surprising, but um, the, the thing that allows me to babble like this sometimes uh, is the fact that I, I'm not worrying about other stuff. So you asked me about podcast stuff. I've Yeah, I've got some pretty good stuff I'd love to share because I think that there's a lot that people – could learn from us who have the scars to show for not doing it right. Yeah. I remember one time you posted about the day you, you discovered level later <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was like a hallelujah moment. Now, Dan, Dan doesn't like level later. Dan won't Dan let doesn't you like use a lot of things. Don't, don't talk about that. Yeah. that. No, no, Dan, we do. We never, you ever. And the great part about Dan is he'll, he'll, he'll be very adamant about not liking yes, something and then he won't tell you why. No, I'm not gonna talk about that. I'm throwing <laughs> all my Spider-Mans away. Really? <laughs> I don't know. Here's what I'll say about that. He knows what he did. Okay. <laughs> I love Dan. There was an incident. Oh, oh, he's like that with everybody. He's he's uh, yeah, especially with uh, especially with Matt and Reese. It's kind of a bit. No, um, yeah, I. Uh, it, it's funny. I, I think sometimes um, the most useful things you can say uh, are the obvious things. And so for us, these things are obvious, but for a lot of folks, it may not be. 
Are you asking, um, it sounds like you're asking a little bit about general kind of preparatory content show prep, but also tech prep. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so w- what have you discovered, you know, applying the, you know, the Merlin man filter to all of these things now that you're doing. <laughs> I mean, do you roll out of bed, put your pants on, get in front of the mic and just go? I mean, I got or... three of those, right? Um, okay. The pants are optional. I uh, no, what I do is. Um... Yeah, I mean, as long as it's not video, I don't care. <laughs> Check your email. <laughs> no, I um I here's the thing. I It'll um, be on Twitter later. <laughs> um I uh if it's not obvious, I I I really believe in um I like having fun. I like doing stuff. I like but you know, I, I, if I'm going to spend a lot of time on anything, I want to try and do it, you know, well. Um and so in the case of podcasts, I do try to I try, I, I I try to do a good job with it. But I also try to convert where my attention has gone in other places into that. So if I read things that I think might be interesting to talk about, I may think to like add that as a topic. I have a running file, uh, as usual, <laughs> a text file that I can get to actually through drafts where I could say it's a topics file. So if I have an idea for something, I can shoot it into there. So generally speaking, at the highest level, I'm just kind of thinking in the background about two kinds of things. This is maybe a little surprising. Topics I could talk about on shows I do now. And what's a new show? What's a new? I'm thinking a lot now about what I want to do next. I'm constantly asking people for advice on what I should do next, but I want to do another show. And so I think about ideas for that as well, because I do want to think about it a lot. Can I ask an additional show or a different show? Yeah, yeah, at least one brand new show I I, I would like to do in the next year. Um, But then, you know, as far as the pre-show prep, with with something like Back to Work, it would really surprise – I don't know if you'd be more surprised by the time it takes or how inefficient I am at it, but I do have to I do stuff like I comb through emails for, you know, I keep a calendar of who's sponsoring what week. Hattie also has a Google Doc we use for that, as, as you guys probably have utilized. I keep all that on a calendar. I make sure that everything's, you know, people are invoicing and so forth like that, but also just making sure that I've got I know what the promo code is. I know the general points of the read that they would like for us to cover. Um, I do go through all the topics. I go through, I do lots of stupid stuff. In our case, we've got really copious show notes for all of our episodes. I'll go through and look at last week's, this is like GTD. I go through and look at last week's notes and see if anything jogs my memory for something I should follow up with, a correction, anything like that. I start gathering um, in the day or two before an episode of Back to Work in particular, I'll start gathering things and adding that with our bookmark. Let add those to the show. Um, and so forth. I need somebody to teach me how to use that bookmark. Let it never works. Well, um, make, make sure you get a, a good copy of it. But then what's neat about the new version is if you have any text selected on – this is really uh, inside baseball. If you have any text selected on a page, when you hit it, it adds that in the new annotated uh, CMS, which is pretty great. Mm. It's a huge time saver. Um, but then, you know, a lot of what I do is really stupid, rote, superstitious, physical stuff before the show which is why I was a little late starting with you today. I got to close the window in my office. It sounds dumb, but I got to remember to do that. Otherwise it's going to be even louder than how loud it already is here. Um, uh, so sometimes uh, I do a lot of mojo around bandwidth and CPU. So yes, obviously uh, to shut off Dropbox, but my, my trick to suggest to people, most people know to shut off Dropbox. Hopefully unlike John Gruber, they, and John Roderick, you know, to plug in ethernet and not, you know, to have Ethernet above wireless in your network uh, preference pane. Yes, you can do that. Make sure you are doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's preferring Ethernet because what a difference that makes. Um, always make sure the person with the fastest connection is the one hosting the Skype call. Makes a huge difference. But then my, my pro tip is to open up Activity Monitor and to go look at your processes. Because you may be surprised that there's a runaway process that's going to be taking away some bandwidth or some CPU. Um, so I make sure all that stuff is uh, is shut off. 
if I'm really paranoid, sometimes I'll shut off my iOS devices just to make sure iCloud isn't going to be churning. Sometimes if I'm really, really superstitious and something important, I'll restart my router and my uh, airport extreme. And then having walked through all of that uh, pseudo kabuki, uh, not to work ping pong, I feel like I can sit down and relax and do what I'm going to do. And, you know, I set up the mic, set up the headphones and I just roll. Do you guys do stuff like that? I mean, yeah. I think it seems like you're just exactly the kind of people who would no. have those kinds of. I have a things. list in Envialt that of, of the things I do before I <laughs> do this before I mean, podcasting. I turn off the backups. I I turn off the ringer on my phone because it's. We, oh, I put my phone in another part of the room, yeah. so it won't even buzz. Yeah, but I mean, we have because I record from. He has a, a desk phone. He has a home yeah, phone. The, oh, that's adorable. Do, do you <laughs> keep your pills near that? <laughs> yeah, I do actually. <laughs> in my Geritol, my, my old copies of you know. <laughs> <laughs> my memories of younger days. Um, but you know what? Here's, this is a great example my of the productivity. <laughs> your 78s. Yeah. Um, your big spider back. back. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wow. Did we just come up with that at the same moment? I'm oh, afraid we did. You pronounced it better than I did. But here's the funny thing is, uh, and this is just, you know, classic productivity 101. It's like, you know what? You can either worry about this stuff or you can take three seconds and not worry about it anymore. You know, what a huge difference. It's not compulsive. It's smart. Because how embarrassing would it be if I was interviewing David Allen and the streetcar was even louder than normal? Or or like in the case of like a recent episode of Back to Work, I have no idea why, but we were getting like up to like 12% packet loss on Skype. I always keep the packet loss window open to make sure that I'm, you know, I monitor that during a show. Uh, but, you know, it's it's embarrassing if I have to stop in the middle of a show and, and go do something that I should have had the presence of mind to do before. So that's all stuff that I do. Uh, stupid stuff. Make sure we could talk equipment if you want, but I always, my, um, the, I don't know if this happens. Do you guys use road podcasters? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, does this happen to you? Maybe because I've had this for so long, but for some reason, the little square end of the USB that plugs into the mic gets loose or falls out yes, all the time. I have that problem. So part of my compulsion is I make sure that that's plugged in right before I started with you guys. It literally fell off onto my desk. <laughs> so actually I'll check it right now too. Oh yeah. Well, it took me a while to, to figure that out because we would start getting ready for a show and, and my mic wouldn't work and I couldn't figure it. It happens all the time. Yeah. You know, so then I finally figured it out. So now I actually unplug it and plug it back in. That's on my list. You know, you blow out, you blow out the dust. Yeah. And the, you know, the point <laughs> of this stuff is once. And you rub the cartridges together. You blow the dust, you rub the cartridges <laughs> I together. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, you... I shouldn't pick up the milk with my right hand. Way of the future. <laughs> But, you know, it, it's funny because any I think this is what's that checklist manifesto book, I think, that was so popular a few years ago. I mean, I like the idea of of keeping a list of things to troubleshoot on something that I do all the time. So when it comes time to podcast, I don't have to worry about anything. Breaking. I swear by I swear by that stuff. If I've if I've forgotten this once, I'll forget it again. If I've had to do this twice, I'll probably have to do it a fourth time. And like, why? Why have to rethink all of that? You know, I, 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 yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I think it's, it's easy to go overboard. You know, I think it's pretty easy to go overboard with stuff, but, uh, I don't know. It just helps my mind settle to know. And so I'll send you stuff for notes, but you know, I use the road podcaster, got Sennheiser cans that I like. Um, uh, my friend Jamie JXPX777 uh, sent me as a present, sent me a Logitech K760 Bluetooth keyboard. Have you guys used these before? Are you aware of these? Yeah, this is the solar one, right? It's solar, but the real marquee feature, so it'll run for several months off a pretty basic charge, no batteries. So unlike John Roderick, you're not, you're not going to be all mad when your batteries die. Um, but it also will, it has three on the like F, F1, F2, F3. When you flip it on, 
uh, it lets you pair with any of up to three devices. Yeah, I've, I've so got one. It's great. It's and it's quiet. You know, of course, for years, for years, people got to hear this. Yeah, <laughs> the tactile pro. Yeah, but it, it doesn't have a it doesn't have a num key. No, keep it a num keypad, does it? Well, I can handle that for a podcast. Nice. So I just pick it up and use it. Uh, sorry, I don't sound glib. I just pop pick it up and use it during the show, and then put it away and go back to my clicky keyboard. Well, the other thing that's nice about that, because you can easily pair it with three devices, I use it all the time. It's just my iPad key. I mean, my iPad oh, keyboard. Absolutely. But yeah. I also have it paired with my iPad. So if I want, you know, if, if we're uh, downstairs watching TV, which is, yeah, I can bring it down there and I can type on my iPad at the same time with the same keyboard. It's it's nice. I I, I, feel, I give myself permission to think about when I've got something like this, I, I start realizing more uses for it. I mean, I wonder if there are still people who don't know that you can now pair a Bluetooth keyboard with your Apple TV, because brother, does that ever change your day? Yeah. I got, uh, I don't know if it, I turned on two-factor authentication. It might have been that. I don't know why. But for some reason, the other day, out of nowhere, it wanted my password again on the Apple TV, my, you know, my me.com password. And oof, wow, I, you really don't want to enter that with a four-way dingus. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Steve Jobs never had to do that. We've talked about this. My, my, my wet dream is to have seen uh, the late, great Steve Jobs on stage trying to enter a three trillion year password using the four-way dingus on stage. Because <laughs> I've gotten yeah. it right a couple times, but, you know, <laughs> it ain't easy. Yeah. So that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. 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 Well, that's uh, that's podcasting. So do you, yeah. <laughs> how does how do you communicate with Dan what you're going to talk about, or do you just leave him in the dark? That's a do good question. A, he do, you, do you send him a text doc? Do you send him a Google doc? Do you just send him an email, or do you just say guest prize? <laughs> well, as you know, I, I mostly do all the talking, as in all of our uh, interactions. Um, and so, no, I mean, joking aside, if it's something where I'm going to want him to participate or prep, which is pretty rare, uh, I'll let him know a few days ahead of time. But ordinarily, if I have a specific topic that I think he should know about, I'll tell him in in Skype chat before we talk. I'll usually, right before we get, it's a good question actually, Katie, right before we go on, I'll give him a list of well, what order I'd like to do the sponsors in, who's going to sort of do, take the lead on which ones. It's very informal, but you know, it's something we've been doing for a while now. It's been a, two years. And so, you know, it's, we've got a pretty comfortable um, rhythm. And then honestly, the other, the other part of this, which again, it's, I'm not, it's apropos of nothing, but I do spend a, a shocking amount of time on things like show notes and links because I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't say I don't care. I hope other people like it, but I like it. To me, that's part of the editorial voice of the show is what we put into show notes. Um, I, one reason we constantly mention to people, like, go look at the site is because we usually have a pretty crazy amount of show notes. Uh, you guys seem to do the same. And, and, you know, it's weird. Like, when I go to a page and, like, they don't have any show notes on the page, it's kind of like, huh. You know, I'm an old school web guy. It would be nice to see more of the stuff here. And if people do have questions, like what was that? What was the name of that keyboard you mentioned? I can just point them to the page and it's more convenient for both of us. And so then I'll like, I'll review the show sometimes before it goes up. And by sometimes I mean always. And then like, if I listen to it again later in the day, I tend to listen to it at night and also then like make sure I, any notes I've forgotten, I add to that. Um, I don't know why I'm so weird about that, but it's kind of my main job that I have. So it's, you know, it's okay if I spend three hours rather than two hours on it. <laughs> well, it, something I heard when I first started practicing law that I, I've carried with me my whole life is I was writing a motion and an older attorney, really old guy like me now said, <laughs> don't spend two hours on it and make it okay when you could spend four hours and make it a winner. 
you know, why would you, why would you yeah. not do that? John Cleese talks about this, that wonderful uh, talk on creativity that's gone around a couple times. He talks about, you know, one of his writing partners, the great, uh, you know, Graham Chapman. He says, you know, the reason my stuff was better than Graham's is, you know, Graham had a problem with alcohol and he would go out and have to have a drink. He'd leave early when it was okay, when the material was okay. And Cleese would go out and have a cigarette and come back and work for another hour or two. And he said that made all of the difference. Yeah. And, and it really does make all the difference when we talk about all of our problems with procrastination on getting started. Well, sometimes we have trouble getting started, in my case, because I know all the things I haven't finished before. And when you start taking that seriously, and as Stephen Pressfield says, you go pro with it, um, you start learning that you have to live with that material a lot. And even if it's something as trivial as our silly podcast about theoretically about personal productivity and Howard Hughes, um, you know, I, I do take that perhaps slightly more seriously than people would think. I, I treat it with a lightness because I like it, but I, you know, because I like it, I spend time on it. And because of the amount of time I spend on it, it makes me like it more and want to take it more seriously. Well, you that, know? that's been my experience with you on everything you and I have ever collaborated on is that you put a lot of thought into it. I mean, I remember when we did the session together at Macworld, I mean, you were saying, okay, well, how, what order are we going to sit in? And you were, you had questions that frankly hadn't even, even though I contributed to very little content. I had lots of meta ideas. <laughs> well, you were rocking the meta that day. I'll tell you, but I, I thought that was something that was admirable. You know, that, well, you know, this is, I don't mean to be unintentionally useful, but let me state this one thing. Cause I, I, this is, this has been such a power in my life and I can't believe how many people don't actually do this or get frustrated when I do this. Think the thing through. Now I make, I can't even tell you how many dumb decisions I make every day in my life, but when I have to do anything like I, like scheduling a meeting, figuring out what order to do errands in, my wife and I have a very different approach to these kinds of things. And I think we really frustrate each other uh, as couples do sometimes with these, but you know, I'll do something like, do we need milk and do we need milk and half and half, which is a dumb question. Cause you always need milk and half and half. Just always be buying milk and half and half. You're always going to need it, right? Yeah. And so I have repeating reminders for that. It might be silly, but I have a reminder to get my hair cut every six weeks. I don't want to think about that. I have a reminder to buy half and half for my, for my office every six days. I don't want to have to think about that. Think about how you do stuff. You're going to have to put gas in the car before you drive really far. With my daughter, if we will run errands together in the afternoon and do stuff, and I'm real stupid and anal about this, like I... I'm going to buy the heaviest thing last. <laughs> this sounds dumb, but like, I'm, you know what I mean? Yeah. In other words, it sounds convenient because I'm going to pass that place first to get that, but I don't want to have to carry a gallon of milk for the amount of time when we get to the end. Because why? Because I don't know what might come up. She might get tired and I might have to carry her. I've learned to think through what I'm about to do. And a lot of it, I'll tell you pretty much all the time, I end up doing a better job of it if I think through I don't know if I'm being clear about what the thing is, but if that's your job, like if that's scheduling a phone call, there's so many ways that a phone call can go off the rails before it's ever even scheduled. If you don't really think it through, are you going to be in town? Will you have access to a phone? Are you going to be, you know, and so on and so forth. But I think if you start thinking, thinking through these little mini projects in your life, walk through them in your mind, physically, like in your head, like walk through them all the time. That will help. Um, and then here's a really neat thing that happens. Very GTD. If you start doing that often and well, you realize how much stuff you don't have to do or so much, how much stuff you don't have to do now, how much stuff it would make so much more sense to do differently at a different time. And that to me is when you get closer to that, as they say, black belt level, because I haven't done any work apart from thinking about what that work is, but I already did it so much better sometimes by not doing it. 
Because yeah. that lets me do other good things. That sounds ridiculous, but like it boggles my mind. The same way that Dr. Drang or like Syracuse, it's clear that they can't understand how non-engineering people think. I don't understand people who haven't thought that stuff through, who haven't thought through the dependencies of getting from here to there. And that sometimes if you stop for just a second and get a little bit Sherlock Holmes, it'll blow your mind how taking one path over another will be so much better, especially if you try to account for the things you can't account for. So prepare for entropy. Prepare for chaos. Do not book 14-hour days. You're never going to do it. And whatever you decide to do, try and do it with like a, a almost like a, a kung fu level of like efficiency and elegance that keeps you centered and then able to react to those changes when they come along. And that way you don't have to carry a gallon of milk for an hour. Well said. <laughs> 209. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, before we let you go, one of <laughs> you're, you're nice to talk to this long. I appreciate it. I really yeah. do. One of the favorite things that people like to know are what are the little apps that you're using? <sighs> well, we've covered a lot of stuff. We got a lot of stuff in the show notes, but what are the little gems? I made a list. One of the things I made a list. You made a, I list. Made a list. I did. I did. You know the the stuff in the menu bar, yep. the stuff that we don't normally talk about, and you can even throw in iOS stuff too. I would love that. You we, you, we, it's up to you. I'll go fast. Unlike usual. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, the meta one, Bartender. I discovered, the, I think yep. some of you folks Everybody. know about this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, it's, it's, it's a little uh, hobby or game many of us nerds have is making fun of our friends who have too much or not enough stuff in, your, in their menu bar. Uh, as you've probably discussed, Bartender allows you to just go in and select for the different things that would appear in your menu bar. Do you want them to appear? Where do you want them to appear? Could they just, in my case, it's a little star. If I click on the star, everything that I don't need to see all the time goes into there. So, yes, I want my Fantastical. I want my clock. And so forth. I want the Apple script menu, but I, the Dropbox icon for me only appears when it's doing something, yeah. which is exactly what I need. Exactly. So all the other ones that I've mentioned, Fantastical uh, for doing uh, calendar stuff. Uh, there's lots of options for this now, and I'm looking at different ones right now. I use Flycut for clipboard history. There's another one Brett Terp's just been talking about lately. Something pop pop clip or something like that that I'll probably look at. But Flycut just remembers your last n things in the clipboard, and then you just uh, what is it? Command Shift arrow left, arrow right to go through the history uh, makes it really handy. You know, I, I, I Quicksilver just officially became 1.0, and I'm, I'm going to be looking at it again uh, because it's an old favorite. But you know one thing I swear by in Launch Bar? Do you guys know Command? Do you guys use Launch Bar? You use yeah. Alfred? Yeah. Uh, you know, just recently I started using Alfred, and we're going to do a it's show on cool. it. It's pretty cool. It's really pretty. The new one's really, really cool. Yeah. Do you know Command CC? Yeah, where you can go to the – is that the one where you go to the last app? Or that's the no, no, no. combined so, copy, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you go somewhere and you hit Command C, it copies it. Yeah. You hit Command CC, you hear it. Yeah. You hit something else, you go Command C. And every you keep doing that, and it's adding with just key commands and no intervention. It's adding to the clipboard. Yeah, it? it's creating each of those items on a new line. And ha, ha, you it's something so great, so great, so great. Um, so so I'm still trying to figure out which one of those to stick with. Uh, Flux menu uh, changes the color temperature of your monitor depending on time of day yeah, based that's on where you nice. are mm. um sync man i finally arrived at a way that i'm happy with for syncing my gmail contacts and my apple contacts um does that work now with iCal? because that broke or uh no not iCal. iCloud. does that work now because it broke when one of the ios's came out um i think that it works i use cobook exclusively on os 10 and ios because um, it used to be when you turned on G- Google syncing and calendars, it did something funky with, with your iCal and it broke. Oh, well, this is – SyncMan is just for contacts. 
Right, right, right. That's what I want because context doesn't. Oh, sorry, sync I said well. calendar. Um, yeah, I probably did. Um, no, no. Well, this is uh, this is a different show, probably. But Sync Man, you go in and you give it some basic guidelines, like a lot of these sorts of things. And uh, you could say, for example, like don't automatically import. You know, Google, Gmail has that annoying habit of adding people to your contact list just because you've emailed them once. It can be frustrating. Right. Um, the very first thing you must do is get something like Contacts Cleaner, which is a terrific app on the App Store for getting rid of duplicate contacts, bad phone numbers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then um, once you get that set up, you can get SyncMan set up however you like. And it ought, basically what it does is it runs in the background. And based on your own rules or preferences, it syncs up your contacts on um, app, you know, Apple stuff and iOS with Gmail. Works great. And then I really, really recommend CoBook. Uh, CoBook is an address book app that is without peer. Um, it works with iOS and OS 10. It basically, you sync it up with iCloud. In my case, <clears throat> there are other options. I sync it up with iCloud and, uh, it does all kinds of great stuff. It uses hashtags instead of groups. So basically if you're looking at a single contact, it's in its own little pane, it has a little plus button and a field. So you're on somebody's page and you say plus, and then you say pound sign work. Whoop, it adds that as a tag. Get this. If you have, you ever try and enter an address? In contacts or address book. Yeah, it's a real pain because you got to yeah, go try to this. each field. So you copy a full address, drop that into that field with the plus sign, hit enter, and it enters it as that person's address. Ditto phone numbers, put at, at name, and it puts in their Twitter address. It understands all that. It gets it, gets it, gets it. You can click on iOS or OS 10. You click a button. It looks for that person on Twitter, associates all the information from their profile, tells you whether you're following them, associates it with the contact. Um, Please check out Cobook. Uh, it's really the only way to fly. And that, I mean, that ability to add stuff that easy, it's just amazing. I, I've got it right now. It's uh, bound to control, command, spacebar, because I, I use it so much. Okay. Isn't that a pain, though? I mean, how crazy is it? Ugh. I'm still on a dress book because I'm on Lion here yeah. on my Mac Pro. And it just goes boobies up sometimes for absolutely no reason. I won't be able to, like, click off of one contact. It'll be stuck in a group. It does so much banana stuff. But uh, yeah, Katie, check out SyncMan, and if you want, I can uh, I can tell you how mine's set up. As you can guess, it is really critical to start out by you know getting your contacts straightened out. And uh, boy, my wife still has fourteen of every Gmail contact. I keep trying to fix it, and it keeps breaking again. But oh, you know, I wish that. I could stick with one, but I use Gmail for mail, so it's got to have all that stuff in it. But I use everything else on iOS, so you know, like I use Gmail for I use Google for all of my calendaring. In, in, all inclusive and uh i wish i could just use gmail for my contacts but you know you know you get different you know you buy yourself different limitations and uh abilities when you go with exchange versus um straight gmail anyway and then when you have different phases of your life i mean my day job is an exchange server and my home stuff is iCloud, but then I've got a whole bunch of stuff in the Google Cloud, too. So you've got to figure a way syncing, to kind of, Syncing is hard. Yeah. It's one of the truisms in life. So anyway, the Cobook, that's all great. A couple of Brett Terpster things. I really love Better Touch Tool. Um, it's, it's, I think the, the nominal reason for using it is you can do more stuff with your trackpad on your uh, – got one here for my Mac Pro, but I also obviously have it on my laptops. It lets you make your own custom gestures. I also use it for mapping all of my F keys to different things like URLs and stuff like that. Spend some time with Better Touch Tool. It's fantastic. Um, other one I got to mention, the new version of Brett's Markdown Service Tools 2.4 is off the charts. Yeah. It's un- Have you looked at the latest one? It just keeps getting better. <laughs> Did you see Flip Links? 
No, I didn't see that one. <laughs> it runs through your document and looks at your markdown links. Are most of them references or are mo- most of them inline? Hit flip links. It'll turn mostly references into inline or mostly inline into references. Uh, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. I'll tell you another great one is, uh, you know, he's had these for a while and you stare at them and don't think about them too much. And, and like, I really use this in prepping these notes. Uh, you know, he has a lucky link. I forget what it's called now. You know, one thing David, you'll like a lot. He's named them a lot better. So now I don't know if you noticed this, but they're named so that the type of thing is at the beginning of the line. It's much easier to find them. So there's a section called links yeah. and, you know, and so forth. But like one that I have, um, I've gone in and uh, with, you got to get this thing called, if you don't have it yet, guys, services manager. It's a great way to turn services on and off and to make, and to do key commands way faster than the preference pane. So right now, control option command on mine, it takes whatever was selected and creates a markdown link to Google's first result for that. Yeah. Oh, this is huge. It's, and uh, control option command W will take whatever I've selected and turn it into a markdown link for Wikipedia. I use this constantly. Yeah, it, uh, make ordered lists. Uh, did you see the new thing he made, especially for, was it Eddie or Gabe? He made a thing where you can have your own, you can write footnotes in line and it'll now generate your yeah. own custom. <laughs> and it, <laughs> How does he do that and have a job and dogs? I don't I, understand. I don't, it. I don't. It's like the other day I got an email from David Wayne, a guest of our show, who was saying, I'm, I'm in with Markdown. I just want an easy way to convert Markdown to RTF and email. And I sent him, you know, Brett's got a service for it. Yeah, I'll copy it to your clipboard. Done. Yeah, exactly. Hey, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear what the, the, the big C change? Rob Cordry is now using Markdown? No. Wow. Listen to Terpster's uh, interview with him. It's really, really well, you good. Know, we had, well, I'm definitely going outside. Well, Rob and I had dinner recently and he's like, oh yeah, it's really great. Cause he's looking at the new Markdown field guide and he said, oh, I'm going to take it on vacation. I'm going to learn all this stuff finally. But I didn't know he's actually using it already. They wrote an episode last season. They write, as you'll hear in the interview, uh, it'd be awesome if you could put that in notes. Yeah. They, they write, they write, they end up throwing out like three episodes a season for whatever reason. They didn't like it. And one of them last year, I think it was, I want to say David and their script supervisor. I forget one of their script. They wrote a whole, whole episode in like Markdown or Fountain or something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's getting real. It's, <laughs> it's really getting real. And I'll just, I'll just say, I know we need to wrap up. But I, th- th- uh, thank you for that book. The book is really Markdown, uh, Max Sparky Field Guide on Markdown is really, really good. I've said, I said this on the show the other day when I was recommending people buy it, but I think you've, you've, you've gotten me interested in this stuff now because I think you've really, you've mastered this form and you and Eddie did a fantastic job on that. And I hope it's a big success. Well, I, a great I think part. Markdown is no longer just for geeks. I think it's time that normal. I think it's start. no longer for sad geeks. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I think it's for slightly more jovial geeks. Now people, you know, if we can bring Rob around, Rob's pretty nerdy, but he did have to live in that final draft, you know, so much of his life. But I think part of the, the way of explaining it, as we've said so many times, is that you're using Markdown even though you don't realize it right now. Yeah. You know, if you're putting anything in asterisks for emphasis, you're using it. Well, you know, Merlin, it's hard to believe it's this is the fourth show we've done together. Everyone, we go long because we just have so much fun talking to you. I really appreciate you giving us our time and coming out every year and, and talking about this stuff. Thank you to you guys. It's uh, I'm really grateful uh, for your having me on, but I'm really grateful for your show too. I'm a, a longtime listener, and uh, I, I really 
I think you guys do a really, really great job and a service to the Mac community. So thanks for having me on. Well, we'll, we'll call it a mutual admiration society because I, uh, you, you have straightened me out with uh, your bits and gems on Back to Work many times. And I would recommend anybody uh, to please go listen to Back to Work. There's just some great content there. Once again, you guys have many, many shows now and, and it's really useful, I believe. And, um, and then you've got Roderick on the line, which is fun. You know, I, when I want to have some fun, I always listen to well, you. Well, let's guys. be honest. It's, it's, it's very important. Yeah. John, John helps a lot of people with that show. And he taught me the word artisanal email, which is something that I'm going to use oh someday, but I'm not sure I like where. to think that I am going to make that the way people pronounce that word. I think I may have ruined that word for a lot of people. You, you have for me. That's for sure. <laughs> Where, where else should people look for you, Merlin? There's the bell. Uh, there's the bell. Well, I'm working on um, lots of things. I'm trying to figure out. I, I want to do a big new project, and I'm still thinking about that. So if you have something you'd like me to do that's going to be interesting and new, um, tell me. I'm probably going to be doing a, uh, a short term. I'm working on putting together. i got to quit talking about this. I want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy that constantly pre-announces things. But I'm going to do a short, um, probably eight or ten uh, episode uh podcast about comics, talking to people uh, who I like, who have them advise me on their career uh, as a reader of comics, um, as a fan, you know, uh, get people like Cordry, you know, to come on and talk about their extreme nerdery. Do you have any idea what a nerd he is with comics? Yeah. No, he, he turned me on to... Um, well, I, Brian, he, Brian K. Vaughn? Yeah. Well, no, actually, you turned me on to the Hawkeye thing. <sighs> and then he says, oh, well, I get credit for that because I turned him on to Hawkeye. <laughs> Uh, Rob said that? Yeah, he did. Rob's very big into credit. Um, I get credit for that. He, he might have gotten me into Iron that. Fist. If you like the Hawkeye um, with those two guys, also read Matt Fraction and David Aha, I think it's pronounced. Also read his um, Immortal, Immortal Iron Fist uh, trade paperback. But um, no, that's what I want to do. And and I have this thing. I think I've, David, you and I have talked about this. So I'll uh, open my very broad kimono. I'm trying to figure out a new thing to do that's big. That's like back to work level big. Um, you know, you look nice today is sunsetting. Um, you know, Roderick on the line is going strong. It's one of my favorite things I've ever done. And I'm, I'm ready to do it. I want to do another podcast. I want to do something new, but I want it to be something that, uh, is amusing on in the merit, not just on an incremental change to the Merlin man thing, which makes it a big thing for me to think about. Um, maybe an interview thing, probably not, but I want to do something big and entertaining and I, I don't know what yet, but yeah, I, I really, you know, you got to be careful. I want to say stop growing. I think you got to be careful not to get too comfortable in incremental improvement. I think sometimes you got to just jump off a ledge. Yeah. Not well, a bad way, but you know what I mean? I think sometimes I'm, I, you know, I'm pushing 50. I'm not as old as you are, but uh, is this just going to be a running five by five bit now? I think, we should. I think we should. <laughs> but I think, you know, I, I, I think it's easy for your whole deal to stall, not you, you, but one's deal to stall just because you've kind of gotten comfortable with something and it becomes incremental and you wake up one day and nobody wants your buggy whip anymore. And I'm ready to be challenged again with something new. So if anybody has any ideas about that, uh, email David. <laughs> well, whatever it is, I'm looking forward to seeing it, Merlin. And uh, thanks for coming in. Katie, thank you. Thank you and David, especially you, you David. for putting up with this. And you, uh, it's a thrill to do um, every approximately every year. And I hope it's useful for people. And thanks. Thanks again for what you do. Right. And we will see you again next year. Mm-hmm. To date.